0: As a major research institution, Arizona State University offers the most online bachelor's degree programs, along with world-class faculty and dedicated support. Discover why ASU
1: is ranked number one in innovation for nine consecutive years. Tap to learn more.
0: So we can let Bill WD-40 into the chat room so he can lube us up for tonight's show. Nikki in Seattle, how are you? (coughs) Mm -hmm. Do we and. Let's see. Scrolling on down. Hey, we're caught up. We are caught up. Reminder to all of you, the Super Chat is open. Hi, Stu Gerson and Science Melinda. This Super Chat is a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. And for just five bucks a month, you can join the SOR Space Travelers Club. And, uh, oh, I don't want to do that. I want to do that. This. I'm getting a collection of hats around here. It's awesome. I'm so happy about that. And uh yeah, shop at our store, spaceoutradio.com. Hi, Dre Culticon. What's happening? It's woo o'clock, that is right. And uh, yeah, we're gonna have a fun night. Here comes Geraldine. Horns up! Let's rock. From the mountains of Central British Columbia, to you listening around the world, this, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davy the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news, wire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. We got a wonderful show of information tonight as Geraldina Roscoe from Bay Area Meditation will join us momentarily for the spiritual you. And then in hour number three, Steve Stockton will join us with another creepy story, followed up by the return of Super Duke. On the Cryptid Report. I love this time of month. I really do. Because one of my best friends in this field, Geraldina Roscoe, returns for the spiritual you. She researches the role of DNA as the currency of the past, present, and future with consciousness as a catalyst. A life-changing experience in 2013 activated her psychic abilities. Then in 2017, she underwent several hypnotic regressions with vetted therapists to find out what went on. Regression's uncovered a lifelong history of abduction from aliens and participation in the human hybridization program. Her life is now dedicated to the dissemination of knowledge of hybridization programs and the correction of the commonly held dogma of the human genetic timeline, historical record, and human structure. Geraldine's website is GeraldineOrozco.com and there she is, the legend herself, her hair looking absolutely fine. Geraldine, welcome back to Spaced Out Radio, my friend. How are you?
2: Hello, Dave. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here, as always. It's such a gift. Thank you.
0: Oh, it's always a gift when you're here. And and you know, it is that time of year again, Geraldine, where we start doing the temperature check for you, because <laughs> I I know you always like to know what temperature it is outside of SOR headquarters. So we're going to find out for you right Let's now.
2: Do- All you- right.
0: You know, because I know that you absolutely love it when it is below fifty degrees Fahrenheit, (laughs) and it is nine degrees Celsius, forty-eight degrees Fahrenheit right now outside the studio.
2: Are you serious already? Wow. Yeah,
0: we're like three weeks away from snow. Three weeks away. Yeah, and and you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm still in shorts. (laughs)
2: it's amazing you are so blessed to be able to have those beautiful brown cells that you have in there that insulate you from that cold um here we're actually enjoying 70 degree weather in san francisco it is so beautiful um so hate to rub that in but it is it it, we're not even there yet we will be getting there in winter soon
0: Uh, yeah we're we're, by gosh it'll hit 55 degrees in san francisco soon (laughs) holy cow how do you live how do you live? Oh my dear, you know what? It is always the best of times when you were here on The Spiritual You because we always have so many different topics that we can uh, generate and talk about. And, you know, it is the month of the paranormal as we encroach towards Halloween. And have you always been a big uh, celebrator of Halloween?
2: No, no, not at all, actually. Um no, but I am actually hosting this month because it's going to be Dia de los Muertos beginning in November. And then of course Halloween where we're kind of, you know, we, we kind of celebrate, I guess, in some way, these, these subconscious unknown parts of us, of humanity, of the, of the collective. Um, and I'm actually just doing a challenge starting tomorrow based on integrating the laws of of birth and death. Okay. I don't know why it just came to me this today, this morning in a meditation that we are so afraid of death. We're so afraid of dying. We're afraid of, you know, having loved ones depart. Um, So, you know, this really takes up 90% of the things that are subconsciously feeding into our fears and and into our weaknesses of humanity. So we should talk about that. And so we're going to do 30 days of integrating those laws, understanding what that's about and how we can integrate them in order to no longer fear death, be perhaps more empowered in that state. So that will be my contribution given the theme of the month.
0: You you know, my absolute fear in life is death.
2: Absolute Mm,
0: fear. And I will tell you that uh, I don't look forward to it. And uh you don't know, you know what scares me about it? Okay? What scares me about it is the fact that um what if there is no other side? What if there okay. is what if there is no other side? What if we've been BSed through all this entire area and the Darwins are right? That's what bugs me about it. You know, because I just don't... We get ripped off in life. We do. We don't get to live long enough. We don't get to enjoy long enough. Okay? And just when things start to get really, really good, poof, you're dead. Boom. Could be a car accident. Could be a bomb. Could be a heart attack. Could be, you know, that it's just your time to go. Don't like it. Don't like the thought of it. So... I'm going to do you a favor tonight. I'm going to put my anxiety to the side of death, and we're going to talk about the transitioning of the spirit and what happens here. Are you cool with that?
2: I'm super down. Let's talk about it.
0: All right. All right. So, um, death, yeah. Yeah, you looking forward to it?
2: You're asking me? Absolutely. I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah. Um, So let's dive in. I mean, there's so much to talk about this topic. Um, First of all, I mean, your question is completely valid. You know, how do we know that there's something waiting on the other side? And really what we can kind of look at and observe as some level of, of proof, perhaps you can say, or experiential proof, is that we have thousands of people around the world that have talked about their near-death experiences and their experiences when they cross over um, and their ability to be in between dimensional states, not only looking down at their physical body, which is in the process of crossing over, but also being aware of something else being available beyond that. So I think that is one of the most powerful uh Phenomena, as you can say, that we experience as humanity that has these near death experiences, me as being an experiencer of that near death experience myself, completely changing my perspective of death. If it wasn't for that near death experience, I think I would also still have this incredible fear. And in my early journey, um, noticing the profound impact of fear of death and how it changed. Uh, choices that I made in my life, how, how it changed the way I felt about myself, how I choose uh, to express myself and to be myself. I mean, so many people curb... Their expression and kind of limit themselves and shrink themselves because of the fear of death. And what we don't really realize is that um, you know our fear of death is so deeply, deeply ingrained into the survival mechanism of our biostructure that literally our body is is designed to be um, in a state of survival in order to avoid that death. And that's very much part of our instinctual part of us. Um, you know the the logical reptilian brain. Brain that is always making sure that we are taken care of and we're not going into that you know uh, pit of fire, walking into a pit of fire unconsciously. Um, so we, we are utilizing, but how do we navigate these um, kind of uh, biological, biochemical uh, you know, uh, systems that are keeping us alive and protecting us from death in order to expand into our highest expression without limitation? And this is where we have to go beyond the illusion of the physical, the illusion of the matrix, which we see in in the world around us. Um, And in order to do that, we have to reconnect with ourselves. And I think that most people and most of these ancient sages that have practiced meditation and gone deep within their self-inquiry discover that with the reconnection of the self, you discover way more than just the physical realm, than just this physical matter, than the physical body. There is an interdimensional aspect of ourselves that perhaps runs this uh, hologram, this uh, simulation type construct that we are existing within. And our participation of the co-creation of the experiences that we have in this construct are incredibly driven by our subconscious programming and... And even further, which we'll talk about, is the ancestral influence of programs that we inherit. Um, you know, how did our ancestors die? How do we have that trauma embedded within us? And we see that through a lot of research done um, through Holocaust survivors. Right? Um, how the human just completely changes their the way that they are, their emotional states, what they're willing to, the chances, and the and the um, you know. Uh, difficult things that they're willing to accept in their life as experiences, um, sometimes it's reduced to a very small uh, pool of choices as a result of this collective trauma. So there are several elements here that we want to understand, but all of these little separate parts help us understand that there is much more to this human experience that is encoded in our DNA that we're experiencing as humans.
0: With that human experience that goes on, we see the ups, the downs, the hurt, the pain, the lies, the deceit, the honesty, the integrity. We see everything every day. And then we see the facade of social media that kind of kicks in on that, you know, which is the greatest hiding place ever for people to be whatever and whoever they want. And I look at it as how real are we now? How real is society when, you know, we see, you know, these so-called influencers faking photos that they're on a beach in in uh, Bora Bora when in reality they're in their New York studio apartment with a green screen behind them right I mean how how real are we I mean this is becoming very 1984-ish
2: yes and I, I love that you brought that up because it's definitely something that you know I think I think one of the benefits I guess you can say of this kind of uh, illusion that we are feeding in through this facades and the masks that we play um, is that we the lines between what is real and what is you know fake and what is imaginary you know it's becoming very blurred at this point now the downside of that is that we live in fantasy worlds we live in these we create our entire life is constructed based on reaching fantasy goals Um, You know, reaching wealth, reaching uh, beauty standards that are created by industries, um, you know, reaching uh, relationship goals without us having a profound understanding of ourselves and even the basic fundamental emotional, uh, you know, uh, uh, basics of human of humanity, because we're so severed from our own internal connection because our, our attention is purely on these illusions and these ideas of, of everything, uh, our identities, our sex, our uh, religion, our cultures, uh, relationships, family structures. Um, you know, our, our reality is highly compartmentalized in such a way that we, um, having these separate compartmentalized things make us feel very separate and make it very difficult to link our everyday life with what we're seeing. So, One of the things that we, um, you know, again, want to try to reinforce is the reconnection with ourselves, deep states of meditation, um, really coming into a deep contemplation about our own, the origin of our own perceptions um, and the deprogramming of the matrix programming, the deprogramming of the influences that we are taking on subconsciously, unconsciously, from the external stimuli, especially social media, is one of the things. Um, But, you know, for those of you that don't, I I think a lot of people are moving away from television and social media um, and beginning to kind of go deep within their own internal connection, connect more with nature. Um, And I think it's actually in our reconnection with nature, which I think the pandemic has also kind of forced humanity into as well, um, you know, because, you know, people were either closed up in their homes or you know we go out in nature we, we we push so much for humanity to go out and connect because it's when you align with nature with these greater cycles of life and death that are existing within this, the laws of this nature that we can see the truth and that we can connect with our bodies and understand those cycles within us so i mean it's it's just a matter of returning back to that, to that natural state
0: of being, to that uh, connection to the earth. The connection to the earth is, you know, is biblical. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. You know, where where we're supposed to go by. And let's face it, you gotta you got a real choice here. You could be incubated, you could be buried, or you could be ground up into ashes in a, you know, in a fire. Which you know, I think is the better choice of the two. Because who wants bugs eating them? To be blunt, you know. And uh, I've already got my spots planned out. I've already got my spots planned out where my favorite fishing spots, that's where old Davy's going to go rather than in some cemetery <laughs> with a bunch of that's old great. people, you know. But nonetheless, nonetheless, as we mature and as we age, you know, our mind still thinks we're quite young. It's our body that tends to feel that it is starting to, give way. I get pains all the time where I never knew I even had pain before. You know, I turn 50, I turned 40 and it happened. I turned 50, it happened again, right? So, I mean, is it just an adjustment, you know, or can a young mind keep a young spirit to make you last longer?
2: Well, I think our science is catching up with us, uh catching up. Uh we uh, you know, we are Uh, science is catching up with uh, our natural awareness of ourselves because encoded within us is the key to longevity. And it's something that has been studied for a very long time, even through Taoist uh, energy cultivation practices, is the ability and and the the, uh, art of cultivating our life force actually creates longevity and all of these secrets that have been practiced for centuries and centuries, you know, have been very suppressed and they've been suppressed by these agendas and, uh, you know, the the world that has become uh, very consumer oriented and uh, very dependent on the external. It's all of that dependency has been enforced into our subconscious minds through social engineering the idea that we must depend on certain kinds of foods so we have to consume them depends on certain medications certain ways of, of being but in reality the the elixir of that longevity is actually within us you know all along and it's the conservation of life force and what is life force Life force essentially is two things. It is our emotional energy, energy representing energy in motion, which is essentially the energy and the input that we put into the holographic structure for creation of experiences. And number two, it's our sexual energy. Our because our sexual energy is our most creative. It's our. It's it's what allows us to bring and anchor an entire soul into this earth okay so that's a it's a very potent energy that we hold within our body and the depletion of that is one of the things that causes aging For men and women, and it's really amazing because through social engineering and through the influence of the sex industries, um, really everything utilizes sex to manipulate um, humanity. Now, right? It's uh, advertisements, music, uh, you know, social media, um, films, uh, you name it. Uh, There is an influence of utilizing sex in order to get messages across, in order to deliver certain. Uh, influences and manipulate and hypnotize people into behaving certain ways so these kinds of manipulations are something that the person that is unconscious asleep and disconnected from themselves would easily be falling into okay so that being said the utilization and the abuse of these kinds of energies which we have not been taught because these uh, these techniques have been suppressed you know, it creates uh, in limiting the longevity of, of a human. And if a human knows how to cultivate emotional harmonious coherence in their body, so regulated nervous system, okay, it is proven, okay? Another aspect that is proven for longevity is that the human doesn't eat as much, okay? It doesn't mean they're going to starve themselves, but that the eating and the foods that they're eating are raw, whole foods, and we're not overeating and then satiating sugar cravings, you know, all of these imbalanced and hormon- hormonal imbalances that are artificially created by artificial foods, which we are now consuming. So all of these things create illness. They create inflammation. The emotional body is the number one creator of inflammation in the body. When we are in constant states of stress, we are creating inflammation in the body that create all kinds of illnesses. All illnesses are rooted in inflammation uh, in the body. And so that creates a destruction of the hormonal system uh, um, and then the organs, which begin to deteriorate. At
0: Arizona State University, we offer a wide variety of degree programs online to match all kinds
1: of interests and career aspirations programs that are taught by the same notable faculty who teach on campus and designed using innovative technology to improve learning outcomes and equip you
0: for post-graduation success. That's why 87% of ASU Online graduates indicated they were promoted at work or received an increase in salary after earning their degree. Find your program at asuonline.asu.edu.
1: Hear that? That's the sound of your money slacking. Make it work harder for you at Sunbelt Federal Credit Union featuring high-yield certificates of deposit with just a $500 minimum deposit, like 10 months with 5.27% annual percentage yield and 18 months with 5.33% annual percentage yield. Visit your nearest Sunbelt branch or go to sunbeltfcu.org. SFCU is federally insured by the National Credit Union Administration.
2: ...your rate, right? Our systems are so incredibly complex and interconnected that every single one of our organs processes different emotions and they have magnetic fields, right? So if our environment becomes really, really toxic, um, energetically and emotionally, of course, the human depletes their life force because they're in a constant state of survival. So we have to learn how to hold back our energy. Number one, our emotional energy, stop depleting that and I'll just give you one quick tip how to stop depleting that is to try to come back into a state of neutrality without being in a state of constant judgment. Anytime that we judge or apply meaning to something that is external to us, we immediately begin to leak energy out of our bodies, okay? And so what happens is that at the end of the day, we, it's like we have holes all over our body. And, you know, we've just depleted all this energy and we're exhausted and we're tired and we're sick. OK, so imagine that you have a sphere around your body and that that sphere is completely solid. And you understand you cultivate every moment in the present moment that everything inside of the sphere is what you can control and everything outside of the sphere is what you cannot control. And um, these are some very powerful techniques that have been used for centuries by people in order to create longevity. Um, you know, and uh, energy exercises, which I can talk about a little bit more, but I'll stop there for now.
0: Well, we got one minute to go here. Where do you think we go when we die? What happens?
2: Oh boy, there's so much to talk about there.
0: Well, we can carry that over. Let's just warm it up here.
2: Well, just to say, I mean, first of all, we need to understand that we are multi-dimensional beings, multi-dimensional, which means that in your waking state, in your in your life right now, you are constantly moving in and out of dimensions. So the question is, first of all, you know, are we really leaving somewhere when we die? Or are we we continuing the navigation of these dimensional layers um, as we transition from a more dense state into a non-physical state? Um, and uh, I'll just talk a, a little bit about some of the things that I have learned through the incredible hypnotherapies that I do and also people and clients that have had near-death experiences that can help us kind of form uh, architecture to this, um, you know, uh, afterlife, I guess you can say.
0: Well, on that note, we're going to hold on, Geraldine Rosgo, in the Spiritual You. Where do we go when we die, when we return on Spaced Out Radio? Are we going to heaven? Are we going into the stars? I want to come back as a great white shark. Just seems fun. Spaced out radio continues after this. All right, we are clear.
2: Awesome.
0: We are clear. And how you been?
2: I've been fantastic. How about you?
0: I am great. I am very great.
2: What's new with you?
0: You know what? I will tell you this. Over the last two weeks, I don't know what the hell has happened to me. I had a situation where normally I would blow up. Normally I would blow up. Yeah. And I didn't. And ever since I didn't, karma has been kicking my ass for the good. That's wonderful. I've I've never had this before. You know, well, it I, sounds
2: like you broke a pattern there, a powerful I, pattern.
0: I really don't know, but I can tell you that uh, things that I needed to happen have happened. Um. In my daytime job, I had a real emotional. I actually said a prayer for these people because, uh, back in, in summertime, and I even mentioned this on the show, uh, back in summertime, there was a, a young eight year old boy, uh, who died due to the, uh, in our town due to, uh, um, his asthma couldn't handle the the thickness of the forest fire smoke.
2: Wow. And I had,
0: mm-hmm. to, and I had to deal with his parents. And mm-hmm. uh, during my daytime job, and I, you know, with everything going on, they've struggled as anybody mm-hmm. would. And I just, I said, I just walked through the hallway of my work and I went, God, you got to give me this one. You got to give me this one. They've had too much. They've had too much. You gotta give me this one. And be damned if the next day everything went perfect.
2: Oh, you Dave, know? that's so and wonderful.
0: I have just been on a run of awesomeness. Awesomeness. And and I'm it's funny because I feel myself in the last two weeks, especially, mm-hmm. losing weight over it. Uh I, I've noticed that. Uh, I'm not as tired in the morning. Mm-hmm. And my hair, it looks fantastic. And, you know, I mean, not as good as yours. I mean, yours is an 11 out of 10, but I'm a serious 9.8 right now. <laughs> you know? You look so.
2: amazing, Dave. How beautiful. Do you see how this is such an example? And I'm so happy people are hearing this because, I mean, just your choices can change your entire state of being, your health, your well being. And manifesting. You're manifesting because you're vibrating at a different vibrational frequency right now.
0: Yeah. But Amazing. I'm not taking shit though. I'm not taking yep. shit, but mm-hmm. I I'm not expressing the way I used to. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I'm taking that breath in and I'm like, "Okay, how do we deal with this in a non-Dave way?" Wow. Yeah. This shit works. I, I'm, not e- <laughs> I,
2: I'm
0: not. I'm not even kidding you. The-
2: wow, I'm I'm so proud of you, Dave. How how exciting! And I, I can just think of like you know, ten years ago, how it would have been a different different response, different. reaction. Oh, reactions.
0: completely, completely.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, mm-hmm. so I, I'm, I'm I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And uh, Rex Emelian, how you doing, man? Um, but. I am manifesting some really good things coming down the road. And for the first time in a long time, I'm not saying what if or if it happens. I'm saying when it happens, you know.
2: There you go. There you go.
0: And so uh, I'm just, uh, I'm I'm telling you, I'm I'm trying this stuff out, okay, between you and my other guru, Kira. You guys have been beating it into my brain for the last few years, so I'm trying it out and uh you know i know that the message has always been out of love yes pure love love. pure love yes that's right so uh, i'm going with it i'm going with it and see where it goes
2: well when we overcome that fear of loving because you know loving is is fear it's scary sometimes because you have to be vulnerable and you have to like do all kinds of things that you know you're you don't not defending yourself necessarily but, um, so it's, it's a really powerful, brave thing you're doing,
0: but you know what? I always used to be a, why me guy? Why
2: mm-hmm, does this happen mm-hmm.
0: to me okay, now, yeah. now? Now I'm saying, why not me? Why not? Me?
2: You
0: wow. you know one second? We got like 12 seconds. Thank you to both Lori and Debster for the amazing super chats. The super chat is a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. So thank you. Here comes the second half hour second half hour of space down radio is now underway thank you so much for joining us my name is dave scott you're a host of the mighty s.o.r I want to remind you, if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio, do old Davy the favor, hit that subscribe button, our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on Patreon for the SOR Space Travelers Club. Here is Geraldine Orozco and the Spiritual You. Geraldine's website, GeraldineOrozco.com. She is the owner of Bay Area Meditation in San Francisco, California. And her hair is always done perfectly for this show. Even though on radio you cannot see it, I will be the eyes for you. Geraldine, welcome back.
2: Hello. Thank you so much for having me once again. Such a pleasure.
0: All right. We are into the topic of life after death. Where do we go? Where are we going?
2: So let's talk about it this way. First of all, I want you to think back for a moment and consider uh, the many ancient cultures through history that have studied the afterlife. Okay. The Tibetan Book of the Dead, Uh, the Egyptian work with the dead, the Mayans work with the dead, the Hindus, uh, the Japanese cultures, the Chinese cultures, many of the ancient sub-Asian cultures, Africans, uh, Europeans. Okay, Death has always been revered as one of the most powerful transition points in humans' life. Now, in addition to this research that all of these different ancient cultures have amounted
3: to and collected, What if you could choose a medical provider who makes you the priority? A provider who truly listens to your concerns, answers your questions, and explains your treatment. A provider who sees you as more than just their next patient. For more than 50 years, physician associates have been going beyond for patients, providing high-quality care that's as personal as it is comprehensive, giving you the confidence that when you see a PA, their only priority is you. Learn more at PAsGoBeyond.com. Patients first. You hear it a lot in healthcare, but you don't always see it. That's where physician associates come in. PAs go the extra mile to make you the priority, using their medical training and expertise to address your specific health needs and taking the time to listen, explain, and follow up. Every day, physician associates go beyond to ensure that you receive the care you deserve. See how they're redefining healthcare at PAsGoBeyond.com over these different eras, one of the things that we see
2: is the connection between the conversation of death and the conversation of what happens in our dream state, okay? So I want you to consider for a moment that actually death is the prolonged state of what is occurring to you in your dream state, in your dream state, we are leaving the body, literally. And this is we are we know this biochemically, bioelectrically. We understand that this system, this physical body, when we sleep, the brain wave shifts, and our our essence, our core essence begins to enter into higher-dimensional frequencies through the brain waves that we are entering into different realms. Okay. And so we navigate these realms in dream time. And sometimes our dreams can be extremely abstract, sometimes they can be extremely clear, and sometimes we even have incredibly lucid dreams. Lucid dreams in which we're completely conscious that we're dreaming, but we are aware, we remember vividly, and we can even change the events that happen in that dreamscape. So, one of the interesting things that we are noticing um, by researching past life uh, uh, past life experiences through hypnotherapy, near death experiences, and these incredible lucid experiences, what they have in common is that there there are literal constructs that we are entering into that we potentially have the ability of some level of control some level of navigation in these realms so what the ancient Egyptians and Tibetans talked about and and many of these ancient cultures globally was how to prepare to navigate the afterlife and there have been there 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 have been created all kinds of sciences about preparing the body for the perfect death we literally, in our physical bodies, have encoded within the architecture of our body a way of detaching from the body, which is most beneficial, most productive, okay? And in order to train the body to have this productive death, which essentially, I'm going to just give you the cheat, of the cheat sheet of that, which is essentially, we are learning how to create implosion within our bodies, okay? Which means that we... Train the body to enter in its highest centripetal spin because, again, we have architecture to our body. We have a structure, our, uh, a geometric structure to our body, which is what we call the Merkaba, okay? And that Merkaba, when we cultivate that Merkaba by the reallocation of our life force from the lower bodies to the higher bodies, we literally have the ability of activating this geometry. And this geometry is the key to leaving this dimensional realm into the next dimensional planes or many planes. Um Okay, and one of the things that have been also seen is that actually we have the ability of entering many dimensional layers, even extremely high dimensional layers. Um, people have navigated up to forty-four dimension, fifty-fifth dimensions. All these dimensions that, as they go higher in that number in that construct, the more non-physical they are. In other words, there there is no form of the body anymore. On the way there, we seem to encounter range uh, uh, plethora and ranges of species and manifestations of some beings. Um, it can be angelic beings in the higher realms. It could be alien-type beings, okay, and going down into uh, entities, attachments, ghosts, and the disembodied souls that are living within um, the the ninth uh, up to the tenth dimensional layer of this um, morphogenetic field within the earth. So those are like ghosts. Ghosts. Those are uh, uh, essences that are trapped in between dimensions. Okay. So how do they become trapped? Um, it is a disconnect between the frequency of the person detaching from the body that is so dense in their frequency that hasn't created that Merkaba-like architecture to be able to leave the physical body into another higher dimensional plane. So they become trapped in between. And so um, it's very interesting because one of the most interesting elements of this is the element of the entanglement, the entanglement that occurs uh, with a human because it seems that our entire life, we, we have life experiences which unfortunately most of us carry out quite unconsciously. So we're not lucid, not even in waking state. Okay. So all of these ancient cultures stress the fact that we need to train lucidity. We need to train lucidity in waking state by being in the present moment. And we need to train lucidity in dream state in order to prepare to have lucidity or any level of control at the time of your death. So when we navigate this life, not in a lucid state, completely unconscious, in hypnosis, we actually create something, we become entangled. We, we create something called cords. And these energetic cords attach us to all the people, places, and things that we entangle with, depleting our life force in a centrifugal state of being. Okay, so the, uh, there's two ways that our human organism functions. Either we're centripetal, which means spinning inwardly, or centrifugal, spinning outwardly. Everything is depleting, exiting the body, okay? So the perfect death, and my favorite person to talk about this that does an incredible job is Dan Winter. Please do check out his um, his YouTube channel, uh, talking about perfect death, perfect implosion in order to create death. He talks about the deep physics of that, and it's profoundly spiritual because um, you know he's explaining everything that people that have near-death experiences are witnessing and experiencing, um, and also what the ancients have been talking about. So there are ways to navigate, and if the afterlife or this this these infinite realms, because another element is that there are there appear to be infinite dimensional layers that exist. Um, simply because there is there is an architecture, and that architecture seems to function in a fractal form. Fractal means self-similar, and it's infinite, which means that um, what we what we are in our physical bodies is a fractal of infinite potential. We we actually are that infinite potential. So at the time of death, when we leave this temporary experience of separation which is what we're here to do in the three-dimensional realm, which is why we experience such contrast in the material, we reunite back into a wholeness, uh, back into that infinite potential, into that whole in order to leave. And what creates a negative death or an unproductive death is the human that isn't able to reunite themselves, to reintegrate themselves to embody and remi- and remember again through that ancestral memory that they are that infinite potential. What happens is they become confused, lost, and then attached in between dimensional states, which is where we have things like ghosts emerge. Okay, so um, yeah, I'll stop there, and then we can see where we want to go with that.
0: Okay, so if the ghosts are emerging, and do we have a choice then? If we want to become a ghost, if we want to reincarnate, if we want to go to a different planet and set up shop there or open up a big go hall on Mars, I mean, what do we got going on here? Is is it our choice? Is that the free will?
2: Yeah, so lots of questions in that one question because um, there's a couple of things that we got to talk about. First of all, um, now... There's something when it comes to time, because, you know, again, when we incarnate in this physical, we think of time as being completely linear. There's a beginning and an end. And we really think that the, the beginning uh, is the past. It doesn't exist anymore. But in reality, um, everything that we experience in the present moment um, it is existing forever. It exists forever, um, infinitely. It exists forever in our field energetically. Okay, And depending on the intensity, the emotion, energy and motion that we input into every present moment, it defines that moment by a vibrational signature that is collected within your field. And your entire life, if you think about that, is a collection of these signatures, these vibrational signatures, these inputs that you've, you've collected through your life. If you collect a lot of low vibrational signatures, a life of absolute suffering, disconnect, separation, um, uh, confusion, suffering, um, you know it creates a vibrational frequency that will make you a match because there's laws to this universe. So the, the interesting thing is that we exist in a construct that has certain laws. One of those laws is the law of resonance vibrational frequency, physics 101, right? So our vibrational frequency makes us a match through the vibrational frequency to the next thing we're going to experience. We experience this micro-macro, okay, Fibonacci, fractal form. We experience it every moment with what we're inputting into this experience, and we also um, experience that in the bigger picture as our entire life. Because at the moment of death, if you are full of really low vibration emotions, your vibrational frequency will have a certain limit to its ability. So that frequency won't be able to enter into a higher dimensional uh, frequency. Okay. Now there's another overlay to this that's really important to understand that when we incarnate into this dimensional realm, it's only
3: one of your infinite fractals. Patients first. You hear it a lot in healthcare, but you don't always see it. That's where physician associates come in. PAs go the extra mile to make you the priority, using their medical training and expertise to address your specific health needs and taking the time to listen, explain, and follow up. Every day, physician associates go beyond to ensure that you receive the care you deserve. See how they're redefining healthcare at PAsGoBeyond.com
1: hear that? That's the sound of your money slacking. Make it work harder for you at Sunbelt Federal Credit Union, featuring high-yield certificates of deposit with just a $500 minimum deposit, like 10 months with 5.27% annual percentage yield and 18 months with 5.33% annual percentage yield. Visit your nearest Sunbelt branch or go to sunbeltfcu.org. SFCU is federally insured by the National Credit Union Administration.
2: Um, okay, so imagine you become fractalized in this realm in little micro fractals, but you also are fractalized in the bigger picture of the whole. Okay, so everything that you are from the source that has become separate, that has experienced separation is, fr- is um, refracted through dimensional layers on the way into this expression. And you have access to all of those refractions. You access them during your dream state. And when you enter into other brainwave states that let you access these dimensions, um, which is why the ancients talked about dream walking, uh, you know, and then, and, and also, um, out of body experiences. We are literally in these lucid dreams, we are existing and accessing these fractal lives. There's simultaneous lives of ourselves um, that we can access through vibrational resonance in order to change, heal, access, um, you know, our current experience, okay? So we exist simultaneously in all dimensional layers. So that being said, only this part of you, the Dave that's here, the Geraldine that's here, the Depster that's here in the chat are the ones that are experiencing this moment, or the specific experience of this life. And that is encoded by a couple different things. Within your DNA, you hold ancestral memory, okay, that essentially if you think of all of the actions that your ancestors have done collectively, they have manifested you into being. It has drawn you, brought you into the incarnation for you to experience this life Exactly the way as it is, which is a representation, a manifestation of all the prior experiences. Okay, So in order also to have a better death and to be able to get into higher dimensional levels, we have to reintegrate, kind of clean up. The lower cap dimension, um, frequencies that we are holding within our DNA. And That's where DNA activation, deprogramming comes into play because essentially, just like what you did, Dave, you're breaking these ancestral patterns of responses in your life and immediately it changes your reality okay? So you continue doing something like this, your collective frequency changes, and the time of your death, you now have raised your frequency into another octave, which allows you to be able to access other dimensional layers of you that are in resonance to that higher. When you don't access those higher dimensional layers, you're going to come back into the reincarnation cycle. And unfortunately, we seem to kind of relive the same level that the highest level that we've reached and the lowest level that we reach basically are the parameters in which we continue to reincarnate and cycle over and over again. It seems to be the nature, the architecture of this reincarnation in this dimensional realm.
0: Hmm. Okay, so if we have a choice of the free will that goes along with it. What about reincarnation? How does that affect reincarnation? Because, you know, if I had my free will, I would still want my mom and my dad from this lifetime, you know, because I'm connected to them. Uh, I would want my friends around. I'd, I'd want everything to be similar, yet it's, it's always so different. I mean, you, you go into a reincarnative state, there may be lessons that you need to learn that, you know, that are pretty tough, whether it's living in the droughts of Africa and not having food or in an abusive household or or poverty uh, in areas where, you know, parents have to sell children in order to, you know, make food. I mean, that happened during the Depression era uh, back in the 30s and 40s, and it's still happening in other parts of the world. I mean, that's, right. that's a pretty tough lesson to learn.
2: That's right. That's right. But... A couple things that I have learned and I'll tell you why I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. Number one, my personal near death experience. Number two, um, my experience of navigating these higher dimensional realms. Um, number three, working with hundreds of people in hypnotherapies and having them navigate past lives, having them revisit death. Processes because it's very important to revisit those death processes in order to understand how they access next lifetimes. It's something that I'm very interested in um, in my hypnotherapy work, and it is unbelievable how every single human that I've worked with their death process. It's similar. Um, they detach from the body. They enter into kind of a null space. They all go into a construct that seems to be like a space or like a white light or like a void. Um, and then they are reallocated into another lifetime. And what we discover by like researching these hypnotherapies is that um, it seems to be that we kind of float through similar kind of scenarios in these lifetimes until these lessons are learned. Um, you know, and literally, um, even so the past lives that we have, we're also sharing with our ancestors. So a lot of times um, in past lives, they begin to see a life when they're a farmer and, um, you know, they're experiencing profound poverty. Um, and then the person that's abusing them, they find that it's their aunt. Okay. So you come back into this life. What do you have? You have an aunt, um, you know, you, your parents abandon you. So now you have to live with your aunt and you're at the mercy of the aunt. The aunt is super frugal. She won't spend any money on you. You feel abandoned. And then you have this constant trauma of abandonment, not being worthy and these programs of lack that have been hanging through generations, generations. Um, it isn't until this individual begins to heal those lack programs to readjust those perceptions that she breaks both of those lives. She heals both of them in that hypnotherapy. Um, And then, you know, she emerges back and she completely changes her patterns of behavior. Okay. So as you can see, it's very interesting, but the, the key about this, it's, it's very interesting, this concept of consciousness. Remember, consciousness changes when it's observed. So think of yourself as this manifestation of consciousness. When you come into the present moment, you're in a state of observation. So now the program is going to begin to change. And actually, the only time the human has any power or any level of free will, and I'm going to go deeper into that in just a moment, is when they're completely in the present moment. Absolutely, the only time because when you're completely lucid in the present moment, you're aware as to what you're inputting and why, and immediately those whys are informed by ancestral programs that you're holding subconsciously in your DNA, and they're also accessing simultaneous lifetimes that you're constantly moving in and out of. You're not aware of them, most people are completely not aware of them, but this is where the human starts to experience synchronicities, magical magic starts to happen in their life, abundance, uh, manifestations, meeting people that are completely productive in their lives. Um, You know, all of that is by these physics of adjusting into a higher frequency of the present moment. Um, And we see that in other lifetimes. I also see that humans have some level of purpose in this lifetime based on the collection of all of these traumas and lives that they haven't transcended. So for example, um, some people have really lives as as sages, seers, monks, you know, that reach levels of enlightenment that are just incredible. But one little thing, which is, let's say, the self-doubt, just allowed them to misuse their energy or to abuse their power in some way. And then they fell. It was that fallen angel, right? And so they have generations of this suppression of wisdom and power in their families. Um, And it isn't until in this lifetime, what I notice is that every new generation is literally encoded in their DNA genetically to transcend generations of limitation, it's, it's so beautiful. And not only are they encoded with the generational ability, but even their interdimensional or starseed influences are going to help them transcend those blockages. Some humans are accessing their Arcturian cells, Pleiadian cells, and those, those are streams of consciousness with a very specific vibrational frequency that is going to counter- these kinds of limiting belief systems. Um, so, when they connect with those parts of themselves, boom, they're able to transcend that. Um, and so, what I see is that there's some kind of intelligence self organization to this incarnation process of souls that, in the bigger picture, you know, everything is kind of operating in a kind of harmonious balance. In other words, your existence is absolutely designed. To transcend the life that you're having so in some way you can say there are no victims there are no victims we are so um, intricately designed to break these patterns um, that is just it's really beautiful
0: love it Geraldine we got about 30 seconds to go here before we have to go to break at the top of the hour and you know what? you make it sound so easy you make it sound so fulfilling I'm still not convinced I want to go through death Still not convinced, (laughs) but I do trust you. I do trust you. So,
2: (laughs) Well, you know, um, the thing is like, you know, it's not even about don't trust me. Um, We have to exercise. We have to try it out for ourselves. Um, And just like me, for example, I, I did this through my own personal deprogramming. I found freedom when I deprogrammed myself from adopted belief systems that I was inheriting from my parents.
0: I know that. You have reprogrammed me before. Still, <laughs> okay. still waiting for the tape. Spaced Out Radio with Geraldine Orozco continues right after this with hour number two. We will also involve audience questions here in our YouTube chat or on X. Spaced Out Radio continues right after this. Hey, chat room, do me the favor. Put your questions in capital letters. It's easier for me to read. And, uh, George, I did get yours. Uh, Geraldine, I'm going to put you back in the green room. I'm going to disappear for a minute. And uh, fine, put yourself in the green room. I won't do that then. Eh, Well, there we go. I put her in the green room now. I've got the power. I will be right back, guys. (coughs) All right, we are back. We got just over a minute here. And we got a nice surprise as Dirty Filth has shown up to draw us a cartoon. He's finally done lifting boxes at work and has time for us. It's always nice when Hi Dave. Hi Dirty. How's Dirty Filth? Where's Blobbert? Blob is currently
4: downstairs, I think, watching the second Ninja Turtles movie with the missus. Mmm. I see. That's the one where they dressed up in their fancy
0: outfits. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Thank you to sweet Donnie Cho, Lori, and Debster for the great super chats tonight. Very much appreciate the love and support. It's a great way to support what we do, along with joining the Space Travelers Club for five bucks a month. And here we go with Geraldine.
5: You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter. At Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook's Spaced Out Radio Show.
0: Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Always appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio Talk Stream Live. At KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. What do you got for us, Clam? Vahana. Vahana is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on our Space Travelers Club on Patreon. Here we go, hour number two of the spiritual you, Geraldine Orozco, is with us, and we are so happy that she is here. She comes in near the beginning of each month to find our zen, our chi, and our aliens. Except tonight, we're talking about death and where we go afterwards, but that's okay. Her website, Space make that com. Geraldine, welcome back. It's always a pleasure to have you here.
2: Hello. Thank you.
0: No, I got a bunch of audience questions here for you
2: let's get into them
0: all right to- Pammy is asking when my brother passed away I totally lost it. I feel I had an actual out of body experience and like someone shoved me back in because of my son even heard a soosh when I pushed when pushed is there such a thing
2: okay so uh basically are you saying that
0: basically she felt, she felt she had an out of body experience
2: yeah.
0: and cause she didn't really want to be there. She was hurting for her brother and something shoved her back in her body.
2: Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so what, what's happening in these cases of people experiencing some really profound shock, literally you leave your body and um the reason why is because the vibrational frequency of the information that's hitting you is not integrating into your physical body it's such a shock okay so there's parts of you that are having a hard time accepting Um, And so what happens is we enter this process of disassociation where we literally leave the physical body because in that moment, the parts of the body that do start responding to the shocking information sometimes are so extremely overwhelming, the body can start to shut down. So it's part of that kind of fight, flight, or freeze response that we have in the mechanism in our physical bodies for survival. Um, I also experienced the exact same thing. Uh, when my partner passed away, it literally felt like my body was thrown three feet back. Like it was just unbelievable. Um, and I've also witnessed it with other family members when they witness a death. Um, so this is a very common thing to experience. It is it is that you are leaving the body in leaving the body because the body becomes kind of intolerable to
1: hear that that's the sound of your money slacking make it work harder for you at sunbelt federal credit union featuring high-yield certificates of deposit with just a $500 minimum deposit, like 10 months with 5.27% annual percentage yield and 18 months with 5.33% annual percentage yield. Visit your nearest Sunbelt branch or go to sunbeltfcu.org. SFCU is federally insured by the National Credit Union Administration.
3: Looking for a unique New York City adventure? Check out Summit One Vanderbilt, a completely immersive experience located in the sky of Midtown Manhattan. Awaken your senses in a boundless room of mirrors reflecting the skyline. Bring out your inner child with hundreds of floating reflective orbs. Ignite your sense of adventure on a glass bottom ledge dangling 1100 feet above Madison Avenue. You've never felt anything like this before. Come experience the wonder for yourself. Buy tickets at SummitOV.com.
2: Be in. Okay, because the body begins to process biochemically, naturally, an emotional response, and that can be very overwhelming. So, in these processes of grief, which is exactly what I'm going to talk about in this challenge this month, uh, you guys can watch um, free on my YouTube channel at Geraldine Orozco. But essentially, when you start to feel these separate, these disconnect, sometimes children, when they experience death, have a really hard time even acknowledging that death for a long time sometimes 6 7 months before they can even grieve people have a hard time even showing the emotions for a really long time it's really important that when we experience this that we slowly begin the process of acceptance immediately immediately i find that as soon as you start accepting this as soon as possible you are being really compassionate with yourself because some of us, when we are not in the body and when we don't want to be in the body because of the level of grief that we feel for a long time, essentially we develop illnesses, okay? There starts to be a lot of abandon abandonment for the physical body and the abandoning of this physical vessel ends up being completely open to all kinds of parasites, attachments, even illnesses that begin to take on in the body. So it's important that we compassionately bring ourselves back, allow ourselves to feel those emotions that come up all the way. And and one thing I want to mention is remember that emotions are not scary. Many of us are terrified of our emotions because we don't know how to manage them. But in reality, if we observe them, keep in mind, not feel them through the sensory body and get stuck in the feeling of the sensory body, but interrupt that pattern once you have Felt the emotion for a moment, come into a state of observation, almost as if you're watching yourself from the outside experiencing that emotion. And what will happen is that you will notice it'll start to uh, lessen in its physical impact, okay, to the point where it's just the side effects of the emotion will just disappear. All that you're left with is with some information. That information is key for you to heal, okay? So actually, emotions are just meant to be tools. You are not your emotions. is their temporary information. So the moment you start learning how to process these emotions, the quicker you'll be able to um, process grief in a productive way that will get you back into your body, back into life, Uh, allowing you to feel joy eventually. And it's important that we go through that process. So thank you, Pammy, for that question.
0: All right, let's continue on here as we have another question from Toetag. After death, do the consciousness continue to seek out a new host to be reincarnated? For example, a plant, animal, or unborn fetus?
2: Yeah, that's an amazing question. Well, um, I, I, Based on studying so many hours of people discussing the very difficult concept of consciousness, the conclusion that I have come to uh, based on being able to navigate these realms and observing others in these realms, I tend to believe that everything has some level of consciousness. Okay, Now, there is a network that interconnects This this consciousness to one another, Um, and that is through the morphogenetic field. Now, the morphogenetic field is a holographic projection of DNA. Imagine the DNA being the blueprint of creation. When you incarnate into this three-dimensional realm, you abide by that blueprint in order to manifest into the form that is necessary. Okay, what defines what you are going to manifest? What what form you are going to manifest into? Um, is essentially all of the past and simultaneous fractals of of yourself that exist within the morphogenetic field that most productively need at that moment. Okay, so if the morphogenetic field, if you you as the whole, um, collectively, <clears throat> excuse me, choose that we need to experience you as a flower in this lifetime, that's what will be manifested. You're not going to be individually the flower. You are the collective. You are the whole being experienced as a flower. Okay? So imagine the source is experiencing through you. And uh, everything that you experience is, is the source. Okay? So this is what it seems to be. Now, the other element of that, breaking that down into the details of how this form chooses the manifestation, I think is two ways. There's two ways of looking at it. Number one, um, as infinite potential of source, it is simply experiencing all potential through all its manifestations. And we, even though we exist in this physical vessel, through quantum non-locality, have the ability to um, remote view Or bilocate our essence into other physical manifestations simultaneously. That is something that we have the ability of doing. Um, So, therefore, we are deeply interconnected. We are not separate from anything. Okay. So, think of that as the overlay. Now, in the the micro, um, your your body your your you as tau tag for example your manifestation has been manifested into the form into this body with this lifestyle this uh belief systems patterns and programs as a result of everything that your ancestors have done in addition to yourself as the whole in order to experience this and I guess the, the only purpose of human, you can say in the bigger picture, is to experience a temporary moment of going from wholeness to separation, back to wholeness. And the, the, the travel or the road through that, the journey through this process, can be anything in your lifetime that's very specific to your life experiences. So in, in other words, there is some kind of intelligence, self-organizing intelligence that your lifetime, all the experiences that you have, play a very important key role in the collective, okay? Every human on this planet, your life experience as a vibrational signature is a puzzle piece that must exist for the collective. And somehow there is a, a balance, okay? So even those of you that think that you have the most horrible life, and 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 you you feel helpless and that you don't shouldn't exist. You play an integral part. Without you, the whole could not maintain its harmony. Okay, and and it's it's very interesting because it helps people understand that their purpose is essential to this. Okay, um, so go right
0: thank you for that great answer. And let us go to uh, Linda, who is asking Geraldine. I was told that we are God. What is your thought on this?
2: Yeah. Um, Thank you for that, Linda. Well, the way I tend to look at it, and um, the concept of God for me kind of um, dissolved when um, I began to experience near-death experience for the first time. Um, Because what what I discovered is that, you know, Outside of this physical body, we essentially don't have a form. We don't have a form. Um, and if you begin to look at all of the human beings on this planet, essentially we, we are energy. We are life force. Um, so what, what I, what I tend to look at is that this life force has the infinite potential of creation. It has the most incredible power of creation. A human can create a life. It creates through the vibrational patterns of its words. It creates through its intention. So, from that perspective, um, if your if your definition of God is the one who creates, um, we have encoded within our physical bodies, within the DNA and the construct of what we are, the ability to create. Okay, and in addition to that, when you look at the holographic model of this construct, we seem to be projecting the realities that we live within, the constructs that we believe are true of our lives. We, we input our level of input into the kind of lifestyle that we live is absolutely essential. And if we change that, we can also change what we experience. So another proof that we are the embodiment of that creator state on the higher picture. I believe that we are fractals of that infinite potential we are fractals of infinite potential for creation. So essentially there seems to be some source and some people call the source God. Um, but I believe that we are fractals, which is a very important keyword to understand. A fractal is self-similar of the whole. Okay, so if we are a fractal of that source, essentially we are a God. We are an embodied God. Okay, so... Um, this is kind of how I how I look at this concept, essentially. I hope that answers that question, Linda.
0: Okay, I thought it was a great answer. Again, let's go to George here. How do you explain the spirits that stick around Earth?
2: Yeah, I really love this question because it's super important. One of the things that shocked me when I first had my contact experience and became intuitive as a result of that experience is that I began to see all kinds of disembodied souls all around me all the time Um, and at first it was terrifying to me because I didn't because I felt them so physically and visibly and emotionally Um, you know at at one point I wasn't even sure what was real and what was not real Um, so what does that tell us Um, one of the things that I learned through that process is that these disembodied Nico has always been a leader ahead of the curve, but his growth wasn't keeping up. So his pediatrician recommended PediaSure Nutrition Shakes to help him grow and support his immune system. And he says they're delicioso. Shop for PediaSure at PediaSure.com. Bodied souls hold a lot of heavy emotional memory within their within their hologram. OK, they are holographic um, structures um, of an essence. There is no soul connected to that. There's, so I guess you can say there are micro fractals of soul that exist within the holographic construct of these disembodied beings. Because a lot of them, when you talk to them, they actually know that their core essence isn't here anymore. It's somewhere else. Okay, so the real main soul, it went, it moved on somewhere else. But there is a part of them that is stuck within this dimension. It's moving in between this dimension. It can't move on. And usually it's very, very identified with a belief. Very identified. And the belief is either I'm not wanted or I'm confused. I don't know how to move on. I was never loved. I don't want to let go. This is my only home. Um, they have profound belief systems that they are confused about their state of existence within these dimensions. Um, so normally what will help them move on is somebody like a medium or, or someone that can communicate to help them see the light, okay, which is their essence, to reconnect with their core essence, It is the same when humans go through the trauma of a death and they can't get back into their bodies and they become traumatized and ill for a long time. Exact same thing. We become fractalized, okay? And remember that one of the most powerful trauma tactics of the military was to fragment a human through severe trauma in order to create alters, multiple personalities, how do you create multiple personalities in a person? You compartmentalize with belief systems. So imagine these beings, these disembodied souls as being those fractals in the manifestation of a hologram, which is holding a very specific vibrational frequency at a density that is an emotional density. Okay. So um, what, what essentially happens, and and another element that I want to mention, it's interesting that Usually, when there are these disembodied souls, there is a history of a lot of ancestral trauma in this bloodline. A lot of ancestral trauma in the bloodline. Um, so you'll see them attaching to homes, like they won't want to leave the home, and it'll be generations and generations that the same family keeps coming into this home. Um, you know, and and things like this, deeply attached to the physical realm. So to clean those spaces, some of these spirits. Are deeply attached to the earth. You'll go into forests, um, and it'll you'll be surrounded by certain element uh, spirits that are deeply connected. Now, I there is a difference between human disembodied souls and spirits and elementals of the earth. Very different, completely different frequency. Um, elementals and spirits of of earth or natural lands are. Are emerging from the essence of that environment, okay so they belong there the disembodied soul or a ghost is is in a state of limbo they are confused they are lost there's always an element of disconnect so that I would say would be the biggest difference between them um, and why they stick around and how to transmute them out of out of these spaces if we need to
0: mm-hmm. All right, let's continue on. We got four minutes here. We can ask another question here. Peppa wants to know, in years or days, what is the earliest someone has reincarnated that you know of, Geraldine?
2: Yeah, I can be, actually, it can be instantaneous, okay? But the reason why, and I want to stress this again, is the element of fractals, okay? Um, again, Remember that when an essence is incarnating into a family, I will give you an example um, that happened in my own, uh, in my own life. Uh, a family member um, you know, had a miscarriage, um, and then they, they got pregnant again, and then the essence of that miscarriage, because the person is psychic... Um, was able to communicate with the soul and the soul came back for a second time into the child that was then born. Okay. So what I tend to see is that there's a reason for that miscarriage. Number one, that is an experience that was designed and it was meant to be. Most miscarriages in ancestral lineages are designed, they're by design um, because something is ending in the essence that is infused in the creation of that fetus. That fetus is a DNA. It's a it's a holographic um, construct of information, where certain programs embedded in the creation of that being of that soul experience have to end in that short time span of gestation in the body. Okay. Um, thus, remember, only the physical dies. The soul never dies. Okay. This is also how we have the hybridization program. Um, interdimensional uh, creation of souls right um, you know you're splicing the DNA to hold to anchor the soul into a, a, um, an organism okay and then that organism depending on how you splice the DNA will be able to enter into different dimensional layers but we are so interconnected a mother, is basically has the ability to biolocate, telepathically communicate with all of her offspring in any dimensional plane. A mother can do that. And that's the same with a father. That's how deeply interconnected we are. So when we require the soul essence of a certain uh, uh, essence, a soul, to incarnate in this timeline in order to heal, in order to progress the ancestral lineage in a certain way, we're going to manifest that soul to incarnate. And, and that soul that incarnates will be absolutely equipped to move the ancestral line forward in the direction that it needs to go. It's kind of a collective uh, choice that is done by the ancestors and the, in the simultaneous essences that are working on this ancestral lineage. It is also similar with councils. People have councils within their DNA, um, ancestral groups, and interdimensional beings that are communicating in order to incarnate certain souls at specific times okay so um to answer your question shortly it can be immediate okay um and also within families i find that the souls that incarnate you'll notice that even the facial features of the children that are being born in your family will take on the facial features of the essence that requires the most healing in your ancestral lineage. Okay, so for example, great 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 grandpa, you know, died of uh, I don't know liver liver disease or something, um, and this this child now has has a, a child that looks exactly like him. Okay, that incarnation will hold a lot of patterns that need to end from this ancestral lineage of that lifetime. So you just need to compare those programs in order to see what's best needed for the healing of the collective. Oh, yeah, I'll stop there.
0: Gotcha. All right. Geraldine, we have you for another 30 minutes here on Spaced Out (laughs) Radio. And we are going to continue with our audience questions when we return on the Mighty SOR. So sit back, relax. Geraldine Orozco and the Spiritual You... For another 30 minutes here on Spaced Out Radio. Her website, GeraldineOrozco.com. Book your DNA reprogramming today. Why not? I have. It's a wild ride, man. Spaced Out Radio continues right after this. Stay tuned. Geraldine. Big question. Lots of people asking, have you booked us for May 10th through 12th in Reno?
2: May 10th through 12th next year. Um, Yeah, you're on my calendar now. Yes. Good, good. (laughs) I haven't haven't planned May of next year yet, so absolutely. Book us in. Let me put you in there for it right now, actually.
0: For our Uh, fan party, which is just around the corner from you. Uh, While you're doing that, let's say good good morning to the dog man in the UK and hello to Jay Burke and Philip Baca. Who else is stuck in here? Um, Yes, we're doing things a little bit differently this year. We're going to have the live show on the Friday night and then our VIP party either after that or on Saturday. We haven't figured that out yet. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna figure out. Kira is doing an amazing job at figuring out ways to get our fans to connect with people such as yourself and our um, and our guests. So um, mm-hmm. it's gonna be really cool. And uh, you know, if uh, if you have any ideas or what you'd like to do, just let us know.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I would love, I'd love to. I'll think about, I'll think about what we can do. Mm -hmm. What do you mean connect? Like you mean virtually? No,
0: no, this is all in person.
2: Oh, in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like meeting and Yeah, this is for our
0: fans Mm -hmm. and our fan party. Uh, Yeah. You know, like last year in Vegas, except it's going to be way better.
2: Way better. (laughs) And and,
0: and Dirty Filth is going to be there. And handing out cartoons Mm -hmm. to anybody who will take them. Because his artwork is amazing. And uh, and the other thing, too, that we're going to do is last year I had a pair of spaced out radio running
1: shoes that we all autographed. Hear that? That's the sound of your money slacking. Make it work harder for you at Sunbelt Federal Credit Union featuring high-yield certificates of deposit with just a $500 minimum deposit, like 10 months with 5.27% annual percentage yield and 18 months with 5.33% annual percentage yield. Visit your nearest Sunbelt branch or go to sunbeltfcu.org. SFCU is federally insured by the National Credit Union Administration.
0: if you remember
3: oh my
2: gosh i didn't get to autograph it but that's pretty cool
0: (laughs) and what we're gonna do this year is all of our special guests like yourself we're going to when i get to reno i'm gonna go to a music store i'm buying a guitar and we're all i'm gonna put spaced out radio stickers on that guitar and we're all gonna autograph it for one lucky space traveler who is in attendance
2: that is so cool. Wow.
0: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Even Dirty Filth is going to sign it.
2: That's so awesome. And I love this little picture he's making. That is so cute. Is that a kitty cat in a UFO? <laughs> I love it.
0: Let's take a look.
2: Aww.
0: It does look like a, a cat in a UFO.
2: Is that or what is it? I'm not sure.
4: Uh, yes. It's whiskey is looking for some snacks in the ocean.
2: <laughs> that's so cute. I love it. Aww. That's cute.
0: Uh, yes, I knew, do know that's Mother's Day weekend. But even mothers need to get away from their families on Mother's Day. So I'm giving you the out to spend with us. <clears throat> Pixie Lara is going to be bringing a bunch of toques together. Not beanies, toques. Uh Jeremy Jones, how you doing? Does SOR pay the fee to check it? in at the gate for the flight home. Yes, I will cover that cost. I will cover that cost. Lisa Davey, welcome. I know Jeremy Jones would love that guitar. Lex Diaz, thanks for joining us. Derek Galloway will hop in any bus to get there. El Ovni Volador. uh, I haven't heard from him in a while. Since Vegas, I think he's still down there. If Derek Galloway is in Reno then El Avni Volador will likely show up in Reno. All right, thank you tonight to Donnie, Lori, and Debster for the amazing Super Chats. We very much appreciate the love and support. And here we go with the next half hour, everybody. Here we go with the second half of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Always appreciate earning your listening ears. Reminder to all of you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon for the SOR Space Travelers Club. Here we go, Geraldine Orozco and the Spiritual You, final half hour with Geraldine, and we're going to take your questions because we've been doing it all night long. Geraldine's website, GeraldineOrozco.com. Thank you for being here, Geraldine.
2: Hi, thank you so much once again.
0: And we have confirmed with Geraldine that she will be in attendance in Reno, May 10th through 12th, for the third annual SOR fan party. Yep, she's going to take her private jet from San Francisco to...
2: (laughs) You mean UFO?
0: (laughs) Close enough, close enough, you know. And, uh, you know, she's going to be there, so you got to come as well. And get your picture taken with dear old Geraldine. Yeah. And uh, you can actually see in person how beautiful her hair is. It's unbelievable. And you can also ask her how many shoes she brought with her. So, nonetheless, I, uh, <laughs> Ooh, I kill you sometimes. I do. I know. Let's go to Christine, who's asking Geraldine, will you be watching any scary movies for Halloween?
2: Oh, you know, I have this thing about vibrational frequency that I really, I cannot watch those kinds of films. I can't, no. So, no, I will not. (laughs) I will not be watching them. I do hear that there are some very good horror films that are deep, that really deep, really esoteric films, but I cannot get myself to watch any of them. So, I'll just take your word for it.
0: (laughs) I'm I'm doing a ghost hunt on Halloween night.
2: Really? Where are uh, you going?
0: Uh, at my museum just down the road. Not my personal museum, but at the museum mm-hmm. where I hold my ghost tour. I am holding a special ghost hunt that night. Wow,
2: that's awesome. Yes. Beautiful.
0: So we're going to scare the hell out of about 40 people. And oh, no. And you know what? There will not be a single person jumping from from behind a door or wall saying "boo." This is all a real paranormal investigation. And then I'm gonna oh, lock. Then I'm gonna lock them in a barn. My
2: yeah. gosh! Okay. Yeah. Uh, follow well, up, I hope you have
0: fun. Follow up from Chris Teen. Geraldine. Have you seen any UFOs lately or ETs in your dreams?
2: Yeah, you know, I actually do have a dream with uh, beings visiting uh, a couple of weeks ago. Very interesting dream. Uh, I haven't seen UFOs, but I have uh, a dream where these, uh, I think they were white beings come forth in their robes to talk to me. Uh, give me some information about what I got to do, what, what I'm doing, uh, things like that. So, yeah.
0: Very cool. Very cool. All right, let's continue on. Let's go to Sabrina. Geraldine, I channel the councils of 9 and 12. Have you heard of them? And if so, have you interacted with them in your work?
2: Yeah, so it's really interesting to talk about councils. Um, every single one of us has our, in our DNA, encoded um. Basically, all of, the, all of the fractals of ourselves that exist simultaneously in many timelines that manifest into the form of these interdimensional beings. So let's say you connect more with Arcturians or, or Pleiadians or, or whatnot. That is all encoded in your DNA. So um, what I have learned about councils through many contactees, what they experience as well, Councils are made up of several different kinds of species, usually. Okay, so different kinds of beings. Uh, It can be a combination of reptilians, the greys, Pleiadians, Arcturians, whatever, just a whole group, a different kind. Now, each one of them have a certain deep connection to the person, the experiencer. And what I've seen is that all of these members in the council seem to have a lot of history with the experiencer. In fact, a history that goes back generations Um, There have been many cases where some of my experiencers and their parents, when they get to discussing the contact experience, they discover and they describe or they draw the beings that they see within the councils exactly the same, okay, and they had not discussed it before, Um, but what, what what I'm learning through this is that it seems that we have certain councils that are very connected to our genetic lineages. And the way I tend to see councils is that they are a holographic projection of our DNA. And whatever messages they have, uh, oh, the other thing is that the number of members of those, of those of the council members usually define the dimension from which they emerge from. So if it's a council of nine, it's from ninth dimension. But within, the, within that dimensional layer, they can have access to many other dimensions. So they can give you information from the 17th or whatever. If it's a council of 12, again, they are within the 12 dimensional plane, but they have access to many other dimensions. Okay. So these are some things that I've seen. So every single human. Now, in my personal experience, since you're asking me about that, um, when I began to uh, uncover more of my contact experience, I began getting a lot of powerful visitations of councils, council of eight, council of nine. And I talk about it actually in my hypnotherapies um, in Alba Weinman 133 and 176, I believe. Um, where I'm discussing my conversations with these councils, and they give me profound information. But um, the way that I use this information from the councils is to learn, understand, and discern. Uh, I'm extremely discerning with the information that comes through because... Sometimes I see that some of these councils have very specific exchanges with us, and some of these exchanges have to be ended, some contractual agreements. So always practice your discernment when you're connecting with the information that's being given. You have to listen extremely carefully to see where natural laws are in some way manipulated or inverted in the information. Um, I personally tend to only connect to source, as pure as source connection as I possibly can anchor, rather than interacting with these specific councils, other than for research or information, and integration, which is the number one important thing to do with them. There's a lot of integration process that needs to um, come from these, uh, the awareness of these councils. And the last thing I want to say is that every single human has councils which they connect and communicate with. So it's a very personal thing. Work with your, with, with your counsels. They are your guides. They are providing you help, support, information. Clear out what needs to be cleared out. And always move higher up in the octaves and keep moving. Don't get stuck. If you connect with nine-dimensional counsel or counselor of nine, work with them. But once you understand your contracts with them, keep moving. Um, because some people get so identified, that's it. They're counsel of nine the rest of their life. You have to keep. There's more. There's so much more. Um, so that's that's all I have to say. Thank you, Sabrina, for that.
0: Okay, let's go to Decipher. Geraldine, have you ever sat in the mirror time box? Front and back mirror is time, and side-to-side side mirror is multiple lives. Top and bottom mirror is dimensions. Every mirror reflects off each other.
2: Um, I guess this is a very specific um, school of thought which i'm not very sure the origin of the specific mirror time box concept but the way that you're describing it is really um how i quite see these dimensional layers so um yeah i think i think that i resonate a lot with this concept uh in terms of of time are are the way that we refract within each dimensional layer um but I think this is too compartmentalized for the way that I see it, though. So
0: it's kind of like yeah. being, it's kind of like being in an elevator. Where he, are you
2: familiar with this concept, Dave?
0: Yeah, it's kind of oh, like okay. being in, in in an elevator, and it plays with your head because, literally, for that brief moment in time, you become infinite.
2: Uh huh. Well, yeah. I mean, that's definitely how you feel. That's incredible. I didn't know that this was an actual thing here.
0: Yeah. Like, so the next time, and- next time you're in an elevator. Okay, uh-huh. if you look to your left, you'll notice the reflection from behind you, which is the mirror. You'll have mirrors on both sides. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Okay, but you go on forever.
2: Mm. Right, 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 right. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, is that what you're talking about? Like an actual mirror box? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. It's kind of cool. Interesting.
0: Let's go yeah, to, that's
2: amazing. Let's Thank go to
0: Cafunia. Cofu- so- My sister just left. Her earthly body on September 21st. Oh, I'm sorry, Kafunia. So this um, helps a lot. Thank you. I am at peace with it, knowing she is an ancestor.
2: Yes, my love. That's amazing. Sending you so much love and support for you and your family. Um, and, yeah, so, you know, acceptance. Acceptance is the best thing. And join my challenge if you would like to learn a little bit more about processing grief. Um, because I'm also going to talk about the contractual agreements that are really important to work on when people pass on, because some of us, we, we let them pass on without understanding our role and the work we were supposed to do with them. Okay. So, um, you can feel free to join on my YouTube channel, sending you so much love. And if you have any questions, you can private message me on my website. Okay.
0: All right. Let's go over to Abbott. Why do the dead only hang around in energy spirit? for a couple of days
2: um that an. that's a wonderful question it has to do with density and the way that we detach from the physical body the moment that we detach from the physical body there is still uh let's say a holographic or interdimensional enmeshment in between dimensional densities of the physical body and the non-physical um So usually when the body starts to decompose, you know, decompose pretty quickly, but the soul itself detaches from the body and is already, the essence of itself is already navigating out unless fractals are left behind, okay? So the fractals that are left in between these states, by the way, a human soul can have more than one ghost fractal of themselves. Um, There have been cases where one uh, essence has a fractal of himself in the home and a fractal of himself in the workplace for example split in two um, because people will experience the phenomena in, in these two different places with that deceased person so um, it sometimes it takes some time for these essences to reintegrate for their healing for their complete departure as they become whole but it's just um, I think it's like it's just a temporary phase in between the detachment from the physical and as they settle in to the ghost fractal that is in between states, that ghost fractal will have a certain vibrational frequency, but it will be less dense. So it won't necessarily affect the matter as much as their physical body.
0: Can I add to that for a second? Because, because I think a lot of spirits uh, are shocked that they that they've gone over to the other side. They weren't prepared for it, especially especially now yes. with you know. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's a car accident, an overdose, uh, a heart attack, or whatever. I think a lot of death today is catching people by shock, where we're not prepared for it as maybe we were a hundred years ago when Grandpa Jed was you know seventy years old and and you know. His body gave out from working the farm all those years, you know. Right. You, you know, so I think I think it's it's a little bit different that with so many people just checking out these days. And I hate to put it so callously, but I look at my nephew in 2018, or I look at my mother earlier this year. You know, we're we're more prepared on this side for it, but on that side, I think that they are wandering around. Okay, who do I say my goodbyes to? Who do I want to cuddle with one last time? Who do I want to spend the moment with to help them heal? Let them know that I'm there. So I think the spirit actually goes through that. And I saw that with my nephew when he passed. Because, you know, I, I said to my sister, she asked me, well, where is my son? I said, right now he's in your house. And she's like, where? Tell him to come see me. And she had these... these um giant Tupperware containers on her bed that she was loading his stuff into, and those Tupperware containers started shaking.
2: Ah, okay? interesting. And, right?
0: And so totally. I think there is a point there where instead of just going to the light now, Spirit is sticking around, making sure that their loved ones are actually okay before they continue their journey to see what's on the other side
2: absolutely right i'm so glad that you brought that up it is an attachment you know there's an attachment i want to add one more tiny element to that that is important for the person that is deceased as well the confusion that they experience at the time of death sometimes people don't grieve in a healthy way, and they keep grieving and grieving and grieving, and they cannot accept the person passed away, this also will hold the soul back from moving on. So keep that in mind. There's two sides. The soul also wants to connect with the family that they left behind, but also we have to be compassionate too. Sometimes we hold on to the soul so much because mm-hmm. we need them, or we, you know, we believe we need them, or we can't live without them. That we hold them back from moving on. So that's another thing yes. you might want to consider too when you're dealing with uh, someone that passed away.
0: And one more thing: as society yeah. has become less and less religious over the, especially mm-hmm. over the last two, three decades, where people are becoming more agnostic or atheist, I think what happens when they go to the other side. There's a real sentiment of being lost, don't know where to go because they were expecting to be one and done and then when you when you pass away, it's over. You mm-hmm. you don't continue on. And I think there's a lot of lost spirits on the other side that are trying to find their way because maybe they didn't believe in life after death and it's confusing yes. them.
2: Very good. Excellent. Yes. So important, Dave. Thank you.
0: All right, let's go to Rocket 9. What do you think about or what do you know about walk-ins?
2: Yeah, walk-ins are a very real, um, you know, phenomena that happens to us. Um, You know, the concept is that essentially, uh, usually people will have a near-death experience or something shocking and dramatic will happen that they have a level of amnesia where they completely lose one aspect of themselves that has been living that life up until that moment. And supposedly the soul, a new soul, enters into the body and then continues to live within that body. Now, the way that I look at this is a little different. Um, in Only in that um, I don't believe it's a completely different soul, simply because we are so deeply interconnected um, that essentially I believe that it's another fractal of your own self And the reason why is because in a lot of healing, integration healings that I've done with people that were walk-ins, what we find is that essentially there is so much resonance between the former self and the new self, and they complement each other, but probably on opposite ends. One is a higher octave than the other. The higher octave is moving forward the person, usually completing the tasks that the older aspect of themselves was not able to complete.
7: Um, so it's kind of okay round two name something that's not boring
4: a laundry oh a book club computer
3: solitaire huh
7: ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes
6: the Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. J-j-jumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You
2: know, like these two essence parts of them, two fractals of themselves, are working together to complete the lessons and the contractual agreements that this individual came to live in this life. Now, there's also a genetic aspect. In some of these cases, a person is completely alienated from their past family and sometimes inserted into a completely different family. The DNA and the ancestral history of the new family is like the second contract that the individual is needing to process through this organism, through that one organism that is sharing both soul uh, integrations. So, there's a there's it's a profound collaboration I believe of healing that is occurring that sometimes encompasses more than one family ancestral uh, line, and the humans that experience these walk experience profound transformation. Their lives are completely changed, and usually they're able to do all these incredible things now. They, some of them are healers, some of them are seers, psychics. Um, you know, so it's it's a powerful life contract and life experience all in I'll there.
0: That is a great explanation. You know, the other thing, too, that you have to be careful of is walk-ins can also take over your body if you're out astral traveling.
2: Well, that's true. Absolutely. That is absolutely true, which is why it's so important to be lucid when you are traveling and understand energetic hygiene when you're connecting with your body. Mm -hmm. Very important. We could do a whole show on that one. That's a big one. (laughs)
0: Oh yeah. All right, let's go to Derek. Why do I remember my dreams and how come I wake up and go right back into the dream when I fall asleep?
2: That's amazing, Derek. So you definitely have um, a strong ancestral memory Um, and it sounds like you're practicing lucidity in your waking state, my next invitation for you is to become lucid in these dreams to the point where you can begin to control and navigate the dreams that you're having, especially if you're revisiting the dream and go right back to the same place. Um, I I have dreams that span years, okay? So the dream that I started when I was two years old, I'm continuing that journey now in my in a dream, I keep continuing where I left off. And so what I've learned from these realms is that we are, we are, this is how I know that we are visiting our alternate alternate lives. This, these are our alternate simultaneous lifetimes that we exist in right now, you're living and you become aware of in that moment, the moment you become conscious in that life and that story, you are becoming aware of yourself as this lifetime and that one. So there's a cross-section there. Usually there's a lot of contractual agreements and a lot of things that need to be cleared up from both uh, realms. So try to practice lucidity if you can learn to control. That way you can make sense of what you're doing there in the same way that you're doing in this lifetime. So that's amazing. Please continue that amazing work that you're doing.
0: Okay, one more question with two minutes to go from the Debster. Is death a painful process physically?
2: I mean, it can be, right? Death can definitely be a painful process physically. And I guess our our job is to understand and separate the difference between the physical system and also the mastery that we have mind over matter mind over the body, we can literally have the ability to hypnotize ourselves and go through surgery. Okay, that's something that's been practiced for a very long time, right? So if we have that level of mastery of using our mind over our physical body, we can also transcend the suffering, any suffering that we have potentially of of experiencing. This is One of the keys of learning how to no longer be afraid of death because most of us that fear death, we don't fear death as much as we fear the suffering that happens before death. Um, So, this is what we need to uh, learn. Now, detaching from the physical body isn't usually painful unless you're going through some terrible, uh, you know, uh, physical ailment of some kind. But usually, there is a, a window between the nervous system that becomes severed from the essence when it's detaching so usually you won't feel pain anymore after a while that you'll just detach from the body and you know there's a window there you become aware of yourself and then you start to figure out where you're going to go next um this is a lot of people that have experienced these afterlife experiences so it, it depends
0: geraldine where can everybody find your work and your youtube channel
2: Yes, thank you. Please follow me at GeraldineOrosco.com. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can also follow me on TikTok at GeraldineOrosco and Instagram, Geraldine.YOrosco. If you want to have a session with me, come to GeraldineOrosco.com. It would be my pleasure. And I also have a support group, experiencer support group, at HybridMother.com. As always, it's such a pleasure to be here. It's an honor. Love you so much. Thank you, Dave. And I hope to see you soon.
0: You will. You will. We will figure it out. Mm And uh, Geraldine, it's always a pleasure to have you here, my dear. and we love Not you sure. so much and we will talk to you next month on the spiritual yes. you. See you then Geraldineozgo.com is her website. coming up next in hour number three, Steve Stockton brings in another spooky story. Then Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio Returns from the Bush to talk about Sasquatch and the Cryptid report. Spaced out radio coming up next. Awesome, my dear. Thank you.
2: All right. Much love. I'll see you soon. Bye. Bye
0: Bye-bye. Take care. Uh, We love her around here, that Geraldine Orozco. We do. She's pretty good people. Look at that dirty filth art right there. We're going to just pin that right there. I'm going to disappear for a minute. Be right back, guys.
4: All right, I think that that may have done the trick. Just jiggling the cords and pushing buttons. Well, if anybody can hear me, true cartoon whiskey, getting some snacks at the end of the night. I have a little tic-tac UFO as well. Here's me clear. Hi, Susie B. Hello, everybody else. All the cats have had multiple snacks, and they're all wrangled. I have no idea where Blob is. Super Duke is in the green room. I can confirm that. Look at him. He's right there. Anyways, I'm starving. Once Dave gets back, I'm going to go make peanut butter and cracker sandwiches. Oh, yeah. Lou Blue Cruise and Sir Bothwell. Crap, this thing's going really fast. Seriously, don't know how Dave does it. It's incredible. Well, I hope everybody's having a good night. don't forget, next year, go to Reno, hang out with all the weirdos. We're going to be inside of a giant eyeball. Pizza. Ooh, I can go for a pizza. Super Duke's dad is actually a Bigfoot. Wouldn't doubt it. He just disappeared. Unbelievable. My sandwich, I'd, I'd feed some my sandwiches to my cats because the Gargoyle and the Gremlin actually like bread. There, I gotta put the bread in the fridge.
0: Hello, Dirty. Hello, Dave. I see your mic on.
4: Yeah, it's. I'm. I'm trying to ramp. Everybody's just
0: talking like a million miles a minute. Million miles a minute, people.
4: <coughs> hmm. Metric million miles. Mm-hmm.
0: That's insane. So it's new in filthy land. Well,
4: I had to cut down all the rest of the sunflowers, so sunflower seeds and the pumpkins are ready for my friend's place, so I get a couple pumpkins and we pumpkin seeds as well, so it's the best time about fall.
0: You know what I like about fall? Combat fishing. Probably
4: not much on the mountains. Combat oh, yeah. fishing. Ooh, Ooh. you would going to be getting rowdy soon, aren't you?
0: Yep four days away
4: good luck Dave
0: I'm gonna do a great job
4: all right I shall see you tomorrow
0: all right dirty thank you for joining us
4: good night everybody
0: that's dirty filth everybody say hi to Blobbert for us and now you're back to me thank you to donnie Lori, and debster for the great super chats tonight very much appreciate the love and support and thank you to everybody who's joined our space travelers club recently very much appreciate that the link is below in the description and considering the hat super duke is wearing i might wear my hat here too So, let's
1: just go like this. Would you like to connect with
5: us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info.
7: Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR.
0: Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth, Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Stream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Please join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club Vahana. Vahana is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as a clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire. check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on the Space Travelers Club on Patreon. It is that time of the night where we say hello to Mr. Steve Stockton from Among the Missing in another creepy story.
8: Hello, friends. Welcome to Among the Missing YouTube channel on Space. Radio. I'm Steve Stockton, and I'm about to take you on an unbelievable journey of people just like you. Their stories and encounters will haunt us on Among the Missing. Brown Mountain lights in the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina have long been a fascinating Appalachian mountain enigma. Visitors and locals alike have witnessed unusual glowing orbs in shades of blue, white, orange and red hovering about 15 feet above the ground in Brown Mountain near Morganton, North Carolina. According to legend, a fierce fight between Cherokee and Catawba Braves on Brown Mountain resulted in numerous casualties. After the battle, Catawba women would search for their lost family members at night using torches to light their way. Some people believe that the lights observed today are the spirits of these Catawba women who are still looking for their lost loved ones. In 1771, German engineer John William Gerhard de Brahm saw and recorded the Brown Mountain Lights in his journal. However, some doubt was cast on de Brahm's account as he claimed to have seen the lights every night, which some speculated could have been distant train lights. There have been many documented sightings of the Brown Mountain lights throughout the 20th century, particularly after the Linville area gained access to electricity. Although these sightings are often unpredictable, the lights are commonly observed at night, particularly following periods of rainfall. The Brown Mountain Overlook, Wiseman's View Overlook, and Lost Cove Cliffs Overlook are highly sought after locations to catch a glimpse of these lights. I've seen them myself and it is definitely worth the trip. These spots can be accessed by North Carolina 105 South or North Carolina 181 near Asheville and Boone. Regardless of the time of day, these overlooks provide breathtaking scenic views, if nothing else. And now we have the story of the Mothman. In 1966, Point Pleasant was a small town with just a few thousand residents located at the junction of the Ohio and Kanawha Rivers. In November of that year, the town experienced a disturbance caused by an unidentified being. Gravediggers at a cemetery in Clendenin, West Virginia, about 80 miles from Point Pleasant, claimed to have seen a man with wings flying over their heads and taking off from a nearby tree. Three days later, two young couples who drove near an abandoned World War II TNT plant, approximately five miles north of Point Pleasant, claimed they saw a large flying man with 10-foot wings and red glowing eyes. The individuals tried to flee from the unidentified creature driving almost 100 miles per hour. However, the beasts chased them and pursued them until they reached the city limits of Point Pleasant. bring for their safety, they promptly reported the incident to the local authorities. The media dubbed the creature Mothman, and the story gained national attention, making Mothman a sensation. During the following week, there were at least eight additional reported sightings of a bird-like creature with massive wings in and around Point Pleasant. Captain Paul Yoder and Benjamin Enox, who were volunteer firefighters, provided one of these accounts. As per the Gettysburg Times, Yoder and Enix reported seeing a bird of considerable size with red eyes that were equally large. Some individuals dispute the reported sightings, suggesting that the people of Point Pleasant may have observed a sandhill crane that had deviated from its usual migration path. There were hundreds of eyewitnesses, says Jeff Wamsley, owner of Point Pleasant's Mothman Museum. Born and raised in the town, Wamsley was only five years old when the Mothman appeared and began terrorizing his neighbors. Throughout the following year, peculiar incidents persisted. Point Pleasant authorities received an influx of reports detailing UFO sightings and encounters with mysterious men in black. Furthermore, the sightings of Mothman persisted. A tragic incident occurred in 1967, just 10 days before Christmas. During rush hour traffic, the Silver Bridge, which connected Point Pleasant to Gallipolis, Ohio, collapsed and caused the death of 46 individuals. According to some reports, there were sightings of the mothman at or even on the bridge shortly before it's collapsed, and it was believed that the creature's presence was a sign of the impending disaster. Wamsley says, the fact that the UFO sightings, men in black presence, and the Silver Bridge disaster all happened during the Mothman sightings intrigues many people. It's a fascinating turn of events for a small town like Point Pleasant. According to Wamsley, the residents of Point Pleasant had an encounter with something indeed out of the ordinary. I just don't believe that many people could have made up the same story, says Wamsley. But what it was they saw, I don't believe will ever be truly explained or solved.
0: When we say thank you to our good friend, Steve Stockton from Among the Missing for kicking off hour number three once again. If you like that story, you want more, head on over to youtube.com forward slash Among the Missing and hear many stories just like that. From the Missing to the mountains of Montana, it is time for the return of Big Bad Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio and the Cryptid Report. is everyone the man the myth the legend super duke from world big fort radio how you been doing buddy
5: i'm doing pretty good dave it's been really busy summer here and starting to finally wind down excuse me now that it's getting colder and a lot of years it's already pretty much uncampable and it's kind of interesting during the fall because the nighttime temps stay about the same, but the daytime temps just keep dropping. And if you get rain on top of it, too, so you're like, do I really want to be camping in the low 40s when it's raining on me? Hypothermia is a real thing.
0: <laughs> you know, Duke, uh, I don't know about your Sasquatch area. But mine seems to have a pattern. And I'm curious if you've heard about this or not. Mine has a pattern that it seems to be active between certain times at night. And anything after that time, it is deader than a doornail. Even though the forest is absolutely silent. But between about 8 o'clock at night and 10.30 at night, that's when we seem to get the most action. Have you had situations where the time of day played a role in the encounter?
5: Well, we don't do a nighttime recon because grizzlies so too dangerous. So we just stay at camp at night. But the pattern for nighttime is during the summer when the sun stays out late, uh, they generally don't show up until about midnight
6: The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: And, you know, then as the days get shorter, it goes to about like half hour, 45 minutes after dark. They'll start wandering right up to camp. Uh, which we had happen to us last weekend. But, yeah, uh, you know, in some of the areas we go into, we know we've got a sentinel on us watching us and following us around the whole time we're there, day and night. But the other, the rest of the gang doesn't show up usually <laughs> until after dark, about at least a half an hour after dark. Uh, but generally more like midnight to 2 o'clock in the morning during the summer months is when they'll be the most active. Wow. So how has your great
0: great uh, location been
5: uh well you know this is only the second time we got to go up there this summer and this time uh, actually there was no burning band so we could have a campfire that was nice because it doesn't matter what time of the year you're up there it's too damn cold at night <laughs> and so yeah this time it was uh we got up there saturday night too late to grab our main campsite somebody else was already camping on it because weekend. Uh, so we had to go out of the valley down the pass to this other campsite that I had been on one time before, which, you know, is also really active. But by my estimation, it's in kind of a bad spot because we're on good relations with the ones that live in that valley up there. And on this other campsite, you're outside the valley, and you're right where the spine of the mountain runs down the entire range. And they like to follow the spine of the mountain range going from point A to point B. And we found their trails on both sides of the campsite, which also means the road goes through there too. So go to the other side of the road, find their trail going up the hill. Go to the other side of the river from the campsite, find their trail going up the hill. So the problem here is that even if you've got like habituation enough that you get along just fine with the local population up there, Now you're in an area where any of them wandering through the mountain range might just decide to come wandering through your camp in the middle of the night. So that made me a little bit paranoid. So we were stuck there Saturday night. As a matter of fact, by the time we, you know, figured out where there was a campsite, nobody was on. It was well after dark. So we had to use the car headlights to set up my tent. And I'm in there setting everything up. And Johnny got a campfire going. We sat out by the campfire for about an hour. There was hardly any firewood around there. And... (laughs) So we burned it up in no time flat, and then it was getting really cold. We were tired, so like, okay, let's go to bed. So I go back into my tent, and he gets in his car, reclines his seat back, pulls up his sleeping bag over him, and just kind of leans back, and that's how he's sleeping. And he's got his the front of his car about 50 feet from my tent. And I'm still in my tent trying to wrap up in my you know sleeping bag and multiple blankets like a cocoon so that no air is escaping or getting in. And it's so cold, I've got gloves on, I've got a hat on, you know. And all of a sudden, and neither one of us were asleep yet, and I was still too cold and trying to get comfy, and he hadn't, you know, apparently, he had just run his car for about 20 minutes to warm up the interior and shut it off about 10 minutes before that. So here we are, and all of a sudden you hear this whoosh, whoosh, whop whop. These are two the two heaviest footprints I have. Footsteps I've ever heard in my life. I've been right next at the circus, right next to an elephant walking past. No comparison. My initial reaction was a moose just came running into camp, but it was a moose is like a lightweight compared to whatever the hell this thing was. It was it had to be absolutely gigantic. So my reaction was I rolled over, reached out for my little cocoon, groped around, found my flashlight, turned it on, and just sat there. Now, if there's some kind of a wild animal out there it just saw the light go on 20 feet away from it, what's it going to do? Is it going to move, growl, back away, be confused like a dumb moose? <laughs> no sound, no movement, no nothing. But after about five minutes, I just turned the light off and cocooned back up and went to sleep because I figured it was a Bigfoot. So in the morning, I talked to Johnny about it, and he said, yeah, I was still awake when that happened. And I had the covers over my head, and as soon as that happened, I flipped him back and looked, and I couldn't see anything. And I could I could tell exactly where it stopped. He said, as a matter of fact, I had the feet of the sleeping bag right on the floorboard of the car, and the car literally shook both times he put his feet down. And I estimate he was about 25 feet from the car, about 25 feet from my tent. But, yeah, that was pretty freaking scary. And then, of course, after we got back, we got a hold of Robin and asked her what was up with that. And it turned out one of them got the news that we were going to be bringing munchies, and none of them could figure out where we were because we weren't—we weren't on our regular campsite, Dave. Other people were on it, so they had sent out little spies, and in this case, gigantic one, to figure out what campsite we were on. And apparently, that's what he was there for. And you know, probably interesting uh, reaction too. Like, well, you know, these humans know that I'm here. One of them just turned the flashlight on. No shrieking, no tent unzipping, no saying, hey, who's there? <laughs> this is not the usual reaction you get from humans when you walk into camp and they're awake and they know you're there. And I was just like, oh, I'd really like to unzip my tent right now and take a look at what this whatever's out there. But on the other hand, then I'd lose all the heat in my blankets. And I think I'd rather not freeze that tonight. So unless I hear it moving closer to the tent, I'm just going to stay right here and assume I'm fine. And as it turned out, I was. But uh, we did a whole bunch of uh, reconning up in the area that weekend. The following night, the people that were on our campsite moved off of it because it was Sunday night. And, you know, beginning of the week, they would leave. We had Monday off. <laughs> so we went and grabbed our regular campsite Sunday night, which was painful for me because now it's like, okay, I'd take the tent down, pack everything up, move everything. Get over there, set up the tent again, unpack everything, move everything back out again. So I'm just beat that plus all the hiking that we did up and down these ridiculously, uh, you know, mountain goaty places. Um, and you'll see all of it. We had video of it. But uh, <clears throat> that that day we went down the pass and we walked. I found this one little access road that I had been looking for. And it's really hard to find. You, can, you know, even if you know almost exactly where it is, you can drive by it a dozen times and not notice it. So we were coming at it and I went, wait, I think this is it pull in here <laughs> and i he goes okay this looks like a little loop and that's exactly what it looks like it looks like there's just a little loop that goes into the woods and comes right back out again but if you actually go in it there's another road that goes up the mountain from there through the trees that you can't see from the road and i had found that one time before so and the last time i was up there there was a lot of bigfoot activity and i had three of the files that i tried to videotape at vanished And I don't mean like snowball fights or static, or I mean, no, it jumped from number, you know, 44 to number 48.
0: I got a quick question for you, if you don't mind, because I tried a glow stick at my research site the other day Mm -hmm. and I got nothing from it. And Robin said to give it a try. Robin Haynes, that is, said to give it a well, try. Well, they
5: all react differently to stuff, Dave. Some of them like stuff like that, especially if you just leave it for them. You know, you're out in the woods, it's getting close to dark. You know, there's one following you. Activate a glow stick hanging on a branch. Here you go, buddy. <laughs> They'll definitely get curious and check it out as soon as you get out of there.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's still there. I haven't been back yet since, uh, and I probably won't be back. I'll have to send one of my buddies out there. But uh, it's pretty crazy, man. Pretty crazy. You know, I mean, it didn't move. Didn't move, but I'm sure it attracted some attention.
5: Right on. So anyway, yeah, like I said, we hadn't been there in a couple of years. And the last time we were there, we got, geez, I got um, one, two, three. I got four Bigfoot on video. And Mike, who was standing about 15 feet behind me, got three of them including one that was partially cloaked, sitting in a bush right across this little creek from about 15 feet away that he didn't even see at the time. (laughs) Oh, my God. Robin pointed that one out. Thanks, Robin. We all like PTSD. So anyway, there we are. This time we're not walking up the valley with a little river in it. We're actually taking the old road that goes up the mountain. And this is a really old road, and you can tell because it goes past an old falling-down cabin. And you you can't own property there it's National Forest so that cabin has been sitting there a long long time since somebody was actually allowed to live there whole roof has collapsed and the road continues on past it now the interesting thing about this road is about every 30 or 40 feet there's a log laying across it not like a tree that fell over but a log somebody moved this log and laid it across the road Uh, And we've seen some do this before, but these weren't particularly big. So we thought maybe had, you know, somebody had a grow operation up there or something, and they were trying to discourage people from going in. But I also know there's Bigfoot up there, so I'm going in. So we kept going up this road, and every 30 or 40 feet, there's another log laying across it. Finally, we got a good distance up there, and there was a little side path that goes down to the river. I had been down that before, but I hadn't been any further up, and I had Johnny with me. He went down, checked out the river path, all clear, comes back. But well, now we got one that goes kind of straight ahead of us and one that angles off a little bit to the left. They're both going steeply uphill. Mm-hmm. The one that angles off to the left, I think, is the main road. And that's got, again, every 30 or 40 feet, there's a tree laying across the road. Only now we're getting to a point where it's not like something has been moved into place. It's huge trees that have somehow fallen over. Every 30 or 40 feet, you could see the rip balls and everything. Something pushed them over. Right. Every 30 or 40 feet, they're laying across the road. So, and okay, well, this trail up here that goes a little bit more steeply, but straight up, that one's open and it looks like somebody has been up there. So let's go check that out. And we walked up there and sure enough, somebody had been up there wood cutting. They had a whole pile of fresh cut logs and kindling and they had a little fire ring and they were probably getting ready to be up there for elk hunting season. And they were putting these logs across the trail to keep people from finding it okay that makes sense so let's check this other trail now that's now has full-size trees pushed across it (laughs) that looks very suspicious we had to actually go around through their campsite and this little sylvan glen that looked like elves lived there or something to get back out on the trail again instead of wading over these huge trees and as we started going up down up, up the hill we noticed the same thing and this was like Not random. They were lying at perfect right angles to the road about every 40 feet. Only now these trees coming from both sides, by the way, not a random windstorm that just pushed them all over the same direction. Now they're like about three feet thick. And they're like, wow, somebody really doesn't want us to go up here any further. And I start turning my camera on and I go, okay, well, let's take a little bit of video here, turn around, go back. And as soon as I start filming, we hear two wood knocks. And then we walk back, followed our path. Back down the hill, we were getting close to back to where the cabin was, and I go, "Hey Johnny, you think they're still watching us?" And he goes, "I bet they are. Heard another wood knock. <laughs> like they're friggin' listening to everything we're saying, man. They're just reacting. Oh to yeah, it. like yeah, we got you guys covered. We're up here on the ridge listening to you. You're, you're okay. We're watching you. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we know you're up there, and you don't want company because look at what you did to the road." We're leaving. <laughs> yeah, that one that one came into camp last night. They probably weighed about two tons. We got a pretty good idea of what's pushing these trees over. <laughs> so we're, we're going back down the trail now, and we're going to leave you guys alone. So that was about it for that day. And then when we got back to camp that night, we had more activity. But you want me to save that until after the break, I can. Well, we got about one minute
0: here. And, uh, you know, I'm just glad that you got out of the forest safe. Cause safety is always the number one precaution when you are out there, and uh, absolutely, and so that, and I know you're a clumsy dude, so any scrapes and bruises?
5: Nope.
0: <laughs> wow, you made it out alive, man! It's always good when you make it out of the forest alive. No,
5: just just a lot of damage to my ankle and my back from all the hiking up and down the mountains and whatnot. Yes. You know, some of these these slopes we scrambled up are like (laughs) almost cliff, you know. We had to stop about every 70 or 80 feet and take a breather before we tried to go any further.
0: I hear you. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio is here and back for the cryptid report. It's been a long summer without Super Duke, who's been hiding in the mountains of Montana, looking for the elusive Sasquatch and anything else that was... Cryptidy crazy in his area. When we return with Super Duke, we're going to find out more about what's happening in Montana. Ask him some big questions about Sasquatch as well. Final half hour, spaced out radio coming up next. All right, Duke, we're clear.
5: All right, bud, I'm going to go out part of a sig here for a second. Yeah, you know, out of the last few years, I've found so many giant tracks, and I've actually seen Bigfoot a few times, and I've filmed them a few times, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. A week ago on Saturday night when that one came into camp and plopped his big fat feet down, that scared the crap out of me. And that's the same thing Johnny said, too. I said, you hear that last night? He goes, yeah, it scared the crap out of me. My car shook. <laughs> that sucker was big. Really big.
0: That's awesome. (coughs) Hmm.
5: Creepy. Well, I mean, at that point, it's like, well, whatever's making this noise is like 30 feet away. Do I want to unzip my tent and look at it?
0: Did you snuggle up to him?
5: Hell no. I was snuggling up to Sushi. I had to keep him warm so he wouldn't freeze to death.
0: Well, you brought Sushi with you.
5: Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's fine. It was warm enough for him during the day, but at night it was too cold. So that was a deal there. Yeah. Anyway, be right back.
0: Okay, buddy. I'm just going to stare at you people. All right, that's enough. See if we can move Super Duke's chair. Chrono Trigger, A Z Watts, how you doing? uh Vanessa you wanted to know what combat fishing is it's a nickname we give for fishing on the river down where I'm going because there's a lot of people down there fishing and they all try and steal your spots so it kind of gets rough down there sometimes so much fun Serious stuff when you steal someone's fishing spot. Rich buddy, what's happening? Super Duke, Super Duke, the cryptid report with Super Duke. Hi, Duke. Your microphone's on mute.
5: Uh, Yeah, Super Duke needs painkillers. He's been breaking his back and working his ass off all summer, climbing up and down mountains, trying to find Bigfoot tracks. Yeah,
0: Super Duke needs a break. Mike Rivers, yes, we do have catfish up here, but they don't get... Anywhere as large as what they do in the south there. Um, Right now in the rivers, the salmon are running. Uh, So you'll have pinks, sockeye, coho, uh, and spring salmons, which Americans call king salmon. John P. Adventures, how you doing? Tim Mothman, can you give us a goatee update, please? A goatee update. Goatee. I'd love to try turkey hunting. We do have turkeys up here, just not in my area. Thank you to Donnie, Lori, and Debster for the great super chats. And...
5: We've got some wild turkeys around here, but you don't see them very much. But, oh, my God, are there a lot of grouse running around this year. Oh,
0: the grouse are crazy this year. Grouse are crazy. Justin Hemmingson, how you doing?
5: Yeah, the ones way up there in the mountain don't know what a human is, so they don't even try and run away from here. (laughs) You can walk right up and step on one practically.
0: Justin, the uh, the late springs are coming in right now. They're not as pretty as the early springs. Here we go. Here we go with the final half hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Reminder to all of you that if you missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out, to Bumblefoot. Read the news wire. Check out our swag. Follow us on Twitter or X at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can also hang on out and join the Space Travelers Club on Patreon. Here we go, Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio comes in with the cryptid report. Duke, how you doing, my man?
5: I'll tell you what, I'm more intelligible than Ozzy Osbourne and more alive than Lemmy Kilminster with better hair than Dave Mustaine, so I can't complain.
0: I do have an update. My kid was throwing the horns up the entire time during Iron Maiden. Nice. Very proud of him. I have never
5: gotten a chance to see them live, and everybody I know that has says they always put on a great live show, so it must have been fun.
0: Yeah Yeah I'm pretty uh, Pretty stoked he enjoyed it He loved Eddie
6: Loved, loved, loved (laughs) Judy was boring Hello Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com.
4: It's my little escape
6: Now Judy's the life of the party
4: Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon
6: Whoa, take it easy Judy
7: Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To Eddie. Speaking
5: of weird metal from even earlier than that, have you noticed that like Alice Cooper just released an album? Yeah. I and think that, it's like, great. It sounds like the same kind of music he was doing in the 70s, just as well written and everything, with even really creepy, ghouly AI uh, uh, artwork for all the videos and stuff.
0: Oh, yeah. Alice is great. Alice is great. And he's still got the voice at 70 years old. How old is Alice Cooper? a huh? 100. How <laughs> old is Alice Cooper, he's 75. My God, he's older than my father.
5: Well, the nice thing about Turing at his age is he doesn't have to put all the uh, pasty makeup on to look undead now. Truth. <laughs> now he has to put on pasty makeup to look alive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I agree with you, man.
5: Yeah, he was fun back in the day. You know, I remember back in the 70s, he had that stage show where the Cyclops had come out on stage, and he'd get beheaded and electrocuted. And poor Ellis, he got killed like four or five times every show.
0: I've never seen him live.
5: Awesome. Puts on an awesome show.
0: All right, let's get to the Sasquatch report. How many encounters did you have uh, in the mountains over the summers?
5: Oh, God, I don't know. Go back and watch all my scene reports. i got them following us around all summer long. Uh, you know, like I said, uh, last time I was on, when I was up uh, at the Ghost Town in June with Kelly Shaw, he got two of them on video. And I got the comparison video for him, and that's still coming out because it's really good. So he's going to do an excruciating breakdown. It's going to take him a while, probably be out at the end of this month or sometime in the next month. So, yeah. Rocky Mountain Sasquatch Organization, Kelly Shaw himself. I've been taunting him for years, telling him you keep you, you keep saying you want to film a Bigfoot and yet I don't see you up here with, at my research area. You keep saying you want to see giant cracks, but I don't see you up here in my research area. Well, I finally convinced him to come up here and check it out, because they only get up here to Montana about once every two or three years. It's a little bit too far away from where they live. So he had a whole bunch of stuff he had to do up here, citing reports and different reports he'd got from different parts of Montana and whatnot, and had an afternoon to go up to one of my uh, prime research locations. And Like I said uh, last time, we, you know, found a couple trackways and 19-inch tracks and a whole lot of other smaller tracks and heard whoops and wood knocks and then – Kelly got two of them on video right after they were to whoop. He just turned his camera in that direction and started walking, and there was two of them watching him. Right on. Yeah, as for me, I don't know. There's uh, several of them in August when we had the – one of them stampeded the cattle through camp in the middle of the night, and that was fun. Uh, But, you know – some of those, we've got to go through the comparison video I shot and see how many of them are actually, you know, hold up to scrutiny. Because when you come back and film it again the week later, if the thing's still there, it's not a Bigfoot. You know, it's an anomalous object, shadow, stomp, something like that. So, some of them we got to go through and look at the comparison of the two to figure out for sure what we actually got. Several of them that we thought were Bigfoot definitely weren't. And a couple of them I'm still up in the air about, so... But we'll let everybody we'll let everybody decide that when I do the debunkathon video, <laughs> and put up the comparison stuff, and you guys can decide what if there's something there or if there isn't something there. Now the ones that you know, ones that are worth really more scrutiny are the ones like Kelly got, where you've got two objects that were plainly there when he was there filming that are not there afterwards. And as I pointed out to him over on the left of the frame of the camera, as he's moving in that direction, actually. There's what looks like a medium-sized pine tree. That's not there in the next video.
0: That's awfully weird. Did you find that was
5: very large Sasquatch just far enough back in the trees that it looked like a small tree? Is what it was.
0: Yeah. Did you find any rooted up upside down trees?
5: No, we never find that. It's so rare that we find that. I think we've only found that like two, three times. Yeah, you find uprooted ones that they're doing weird things with, but generally not upside down. When Kevin Lang from the Glag Saga was up here with us, he found two of them. that They had tore the whole damn trees out and turned them upside down. They had an X with the roots up on both sides. So clearly that's not natural. <laughs> but getting ba- back to what happened to us this weekend, so after we had the uh, walk up the you-no-go-here know trail with all the push-down trees across it and heard the wood knocks, uh, we came back and uh, went back to our already set up camp and started a campfire. And thank God there's plenty of firewood there. And it wasn't that as cold that night. And we had like a half a moon and clear skies both nights. So there was a nightlight. You didn't need a flashlight really to walk around. Uh, <clears throat> and we sat there until probably around midnight, 11 o'clock, midnight. And the fire was, you know, stoked up to massive amounts, so I could see the fire blazing through the wall of my tent. That was pretty obviously uh seriously going fire. But Johnny didn't have a tent with him. So he's going, Well, you know, good luck. You're gonna be down here by yourself tonight. And I said, No, I'm not worried about it. They're gonna come past you. He's like, Oh yeah, right. So he goes up on the road in his car. He's not even on the campsite, he's on this big wide open section of the road in his car reclining in his car, sleeping there. Though so I had a great night's sleep. He, on the other hand, about a half an hour after he went to bed and turned on his car and warmed it up a little bit and then turned it off again, uh, he had visitors. <laughs> and he said there was at least two, probably three or four, and the, he could feel the car shaking as they were walking around it. And they stayed up there and pastored him for about two and a half hours <laughs> till he got finally tired of it and left again. I never had any problem with it. And this is a repeating pattern here, Dave, now, because I've been going up there long enough. And, you know, they trust me as much as they trust a human. And they don't even bother to mess around with me anymore. But anybody new that I bring up there, they're under close scrutiny. So they will mess around. And I've had this happen over and over. We only have one person with me, the person I had on my show last weekend, has had all kinds of Bigfoot experiences, not only in uh, Alaska where they live, but in Idaho as we uh, showed on Sunday's show. And then uh, up here when they were up here with me in Montana, the first night we were camped, we didn't have time to set up both tents. It was dark. So we set up the big one, and both of us piled into that thing. And then we had them there walking, two really big ones, walking around the tent. And according to Sonny, who finally shook me and woke me up, They had been walking around the tent for the better part of an hour and a half, two hours. And I asked her, I said, well, why didn't you wake me up? And she goes, I was too scared. And I'm like, well, what were they doing? And she goes, they're going, I'm like, yeah, they do that. And I go, I'll take care of it. And she goes, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to go have a cigarette. She's like, what? (laughs) And I go, yeah, I'm going to go have a cigarette. So I open up the tent, zip, zip, get out of the tent. I know they're like right next to the damn tent somewhere, whether they're cloaked or not. I'm not going to bother looking for them. So first thing I do is there's no light there. I reach down and I grab my flashlight. and I go, have you guys seen my new flashlight? It's really bright. I'm going to turn it on now, and I aim it at the ground, turn it on, so I can see how bright it is. And I go, now, you guys shouldn't be so close to the tent because you can't run away fast enough for me to not catch you in the beam of this thing. And I tilt the flashlight up, and I start slowly panning around with it, giving them plenty of time to get out of the way and not get blinded and demonstrate that it's, yeah, a lot brighter than a car's headlights so I can see them 100 feet away. (laughs) You need to stay further away from the tent. I can blind you with this through the tent. So at that point, I just turn the light back down again, turn it off, light my cigarette, stand out there for a few minutes. I can't even remember what I said. I was, like, saying something to him. I was just talking to him. And I didn't see him. But obviously, they were right next to the damn tent somewhere because, you know, <laughs> you could feel the ground shaking when they are yep, walking around there. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, again, that was, that was a good example of how they liked to, to do that. Even somebody that was with me, that's why they came up and did it. And then when I had Scotty there and we had separate tents, they came over and they were screwing around with his tent for like an hour and a half almost, you know, before he actually yelled loud enough to wake me up. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? And he's like, something over here screwing around with my tent." <laughs> so I got up, and I pitched and went on the campfire to make it blaze up again. And you know, generally, when the campfire is really blazing, they don't want to come into camp. They wait until it dies down. Wow.
0: Super Duke, Super Duke. Unbelievable.
5: And- you just get used to it after a while. I know it sounds. Sometimes it is scary, like when that big one came into camp last Saturday. That was freaking scary. I mean, when it takes a step and the car shakes, that's freaking scary. That's like Godzilla-level huge,
0: you know? Now, is it the same ones you've been having interaction with all summer, or did you try different places for different clans?
5: No. You know, I get reports from further afield sometimes, but I can't really afford to drive long ways. I'm lucky I can even get out to my main research areas, which are are not all that far from here. Um and, you know, I've been going to these same areas for almost 10 years now. So they they all know me really well. I've been there over and over and over and over and over and over, and over. every year. Generally, I'm there every month during the warmer months. Uh, you know, some years I'm at the main research area a couple times a month, every month for the warmer months. So, yeah, they know me really well. <laughs> so, no, I'm not worried about them. They're, you know, they've kind of habituated to me to the point where it's like um, I had somebody tell me that uh, they've actually accepted me as a member of their tribe and I wouldn't go that far but you know that's what they're telling me but I know in the cases of some other people that I've talked to that have long-term areas where they keep interacting with them over and over and over again and especially like people that own homes that have got them around there and, and don't really react negatively to them or leave them scraps occasionally or something like that. If they see them, they don't freak out, try and shoot at them and stuff. After a while, they get so used to it. It's like the person, everything in that area is of their territory is like under their protection. It's something that's in their territory. And if your house and property is in that territory, and they more or less accept you as part of the territory, your house and property, and by extension, you are under their protection.
0: Hmm. So,
5: because it's like they don't want their property screwed up it's like if somebody showed up in your property and started chain, chainsawing your trees down you wouldn't like that you know if you had some uh little local animal on your property that you're that you really liked and you watched all the time and somebody showed up and started threatening to shoot it or something you would probably react negatively and whether they actually you know Like you, you know, like in the way humans would or anything like that, or they've actually accepted you as a member of their, um, you know, tribe, clan, whatever, they can at least get to that level. And we've seen that repeatedly, where they really start liking some human after enough years of having no problems with them or anything. And then something bad happens on the property, and something really bad happens to who made the bad thing happen on the property. (laughs) Really close order of where the bad thing happened.
0: Yeah, I I can see that. Did they leave you any presents?
5: No, but I did check where Santa Claus left them presents last year to see what happened to them, and it was interesting because uh, Santa left them two stuffed raccoons, a Chester Cheeto, uh, cheetah, and then uh, it was like a little blue thing that looked like a Smurf kind of or something, another stuffed toy, and a little pony. Uh, two of them actually about that size one of them was like regular brown normal looking pony and the other one was like rainbow unicorn pony with a you know horn that was all pearlescent and everything too so when i came back this year to see what they gathered up from the, the rich hall of treasure that santa brought them of course every last bit of food was gone and all the wrappers were there as usual those don't get scattered around they just chuck them right next to the rock. <laughs> Let me come back and pick them up, which proves to me it's not random animals that are doing this because they just drag things off, you know. All of the trash wouldn't be there neatly in a pile, even, you know, especially a year afterwards. <clears throat> but one of the one of the raccoons was had definitely been moved from when I left it there, and it was actually in really good shape. The other raccoon hadn't been moved and had fallen over, and you'll see this on video, and the mice started eating it. So it had all kinds of little holes in it, and they were pulling the stuffing out of it and stuff. So that one, yeah, actually laid there for a year. The other one looked like it just came off the showroom. Wow. And it wasn't in the same position I left it in. It was right near it. And both the little ponies were gone. Now, Robin told me that after I left them there that there was a little uh, little girl, a little female Sasquatch, youngster, that just absolutely fell in love with that unicorn and took it and the parents were not in favor of her having any toys that the humans left there and uh apparently she stashed it somewhere she never brought it back again it's still gone wherever it was and i was surprised to find out that the brown one was gone too so one of them took that away at some point but apparently the one little boy really liked the stuffed raccoon but again his folks wouldn't let him have it because you know, human left it, it might explode or have a tracking device in it or right. something. So they made him bring it back again. But apparently he gets to go back and play with it if he wants to. So I took it and put it underneath his boulder where it wouldn't get rained on and ruined. So whenever he did show up to want to play with it, it would still be there for him. Left him a bunch more munchies and then waded back across the icy frickin' river again <laughs> to get back to camp.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So, Duke, out of all the days that you spend out there in the forest this year, uh, were were there any similar patterns or differences that you were able to notice?
5: Well, you know, I've been doing this so many years now. It's mostly an environmental thing. You know, it actually matters a lot what kind of the weather conditions are like, uh, what time of year it is. Um, You know, fires, if there's big fires and stuff nearby, they'll tend to move away from the area just so they can get away from the fire faster if they need to. Um, and this year we had some <clears throat> expletive-deleted loggers that had, for some reason, the lease to come through a national forest land and cut back all the trees within about 30 or 40 feet of the road. That all up the here. way down the road next to camp, about a half a mile down the road beyond it. And then when we wanted to go down the other access road beyond it, they had that all blocked off for some reason. They like to play these games, and they were again in there earlier this year, pretending there was a fire there and had the whole valley blocked off. And you know we know exactly what they were up to. And again, miserable failure. You're zero for two. Quit wasting your time.
0: Yep, I hear you. I absolutely hear you. We got two and a half minutes to go here with Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio. Duke, out of, out of all the experiences you had this summer in your research area. You know, besides the guy coming into your camp, uh, were there any, was there anything else that was memorable?
5: Oh, yeah. Well, lots of moments during the summer when I found that 31-inch track this spring. That was pretty memorable. And when I found uh, tracks apparently from the same individual in three different places in the same area in the subsequent month and a half that were all 21, 22 inches long, that was pretty memorable. And then the one other time that we actually got up to our main camp during the summer, all we could do was just a day trip. And uh, right at camp, there was a 15-inch track in the sand, crushed in. And then further away from it, where there was a little uh, creek, one had stepped across and left a 22-inch print and just mashed the bank down when he stepped on it. You could see the toes had, like, taken the bank out. And, yeah, more vocalizations and stuff this year, but less actual physical sightings. And then, of course, having them create a cattle stampede through camp, that was pretty hilarious. I was not expecting that I would ever have cows in camp when I was Bigfooting or that, you know, something would decide to chase them out of camp and cause a stampede, which, you know, yeah. Yeah, this is the Wild West and everything, but you don't expect to have friggin' cattle stampedes through your Bigfoot camp in the middle of the night. I mean, give me a break. Come oh, on, that's a little man. bit much. <laughs> and you. we got it on video. We got all 35 cows standing there. And I'm like, hey, 908, how you doing? 001, haven't seen you for a while. Mm. Talking All the cows are filming them. Yeah. <laughs> and I a like, mmm, and they're beating out of there. Did you notice
0: an increase in Sasquatch activity when the cattle were around?
5: Well, in this location, they got the high alpine cattle there all summer long, and I think the sasquatch just follow them around, and the little ones play with them. Because we found a ridge line that it was so improbable that the cows would have went there on their own. All we can hypothesize is they actually herded them up there, and all over that ridge line there was cow tracks, cow poop, and lots of little sasquatch tracks all over this ridge. And this ridge wasn't more than like fifty, sixty feet wide and one hundred twenty feet long, and it required going over a lot of deadfall to get to it. So why in the hell the cows would be up there? I have no idea. That's one of the weirdest things we found all summer. Hmm.
0: Duke, I want to say a big thank you for you coming back on Spaced Out Radio. It's been a while, my friend, but it's good to have you back. And I'm glad you're home safe and sound, along with Sushi, your bearded dragon.
5: Yep, yeah, now getting ready for him to be going to nappy time here pretty soon. Next Tuesday, I have updates on the links between the red-haired giants in North America here and the Nephilim, and I also got some other stuff on tracks.
0: Beautiful. Thank you, Duke. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with little brothers watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up. For the guitar, God himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn, the Space Travelers Club, and on X at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. I know you're out there somewhere. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio. And SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us, because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home.
7: Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Fulbright prohibited by law. 18
0: plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.